0: tight all right what's up snapbacks to interviews. blues i've got experience that is Austin Share. I'm Hunter Hornstein. What up, Boston?
1: What's up, man? We got a we got a, a fresh, hot episode. Uh, I'm excited, dude. Like I know I say this every week, and it, it feels like it's every episode I'm repeating myself. But like, it really is crazy uh, that we are still doing this, and that we still have people that not only want to be our guests, but are excited to be our guests. Uh, we have people that are excited to listen to our guests. Um, And I don't want to steal your thunder. I'm sure you have more to say about it than me. But uh, as we uh, are officially in the age of Spotify wrapped for 2020, it's been pretty remarkable seeing how many people not just have us in their top five, but have us as their number one most listened to podcast of 2020. Considering we started doing this in like the last quarter of 2020. So... I, yeah, just like thank you to everybody, whether you've listened to one episode, whether you've listened to them all, whether you listen to all of them straight through, whether you listen to five minutes here or there. We just started this to have some fun. And it's pretty crazy that we've, we've got this far and that people are, are at least seeming to enjoy it. And I think we got another steamy one today.
0: So, so freaking cool. We'll get into the Spotify wrapped uh, on Thursday. I'm excited about that. This, this week is back to back bangers um but uh yeah you, you said something there and that was uh people that want to be on the podcast and nate nathan brecht who is the assistant uh director of fan uh engagement at uh michigan university of michigan um he wanted to be like he reached out to us like from the get like he's an og like he's a he's a real one he's an og listener uh, and he reached out on, on the get and uh, we finally got him on. We finally got a, a, a time set and we the long episode, long episode. We've we said it before, but long episode, we recorded for three hours here. We talked for another two afterwards. <laughs> the man is a dynamo, uh, but just a gem of a human being. So many stories. And this is the second episode in the row Austin where we really didn't have a plan, and it just kind of—or maybe we did have a plan—but we deviated. Yes, it all over the place, but it is one freaking hell of a list.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's becoming apparent that sometimes the best conversations are the ones that are unplanned, uh, which is a little bit poetic. It's almost like life. Um, but yeah, man, Nate came. Nate came with the heat, and I think the the unique thing. Uh, that he brought to the table. We've only had a couple guests where this is true. He knows both of us from different from different scenarios. So you and he work together. Um, me and and him have just drank together. Uh, but it's it was interesting having unique stories and circumstances pertaining to to each of our relationships with him. Um, and I think that it was it was good. It was fun. Hopefully, it'll be as fun of a listen as it was a, a as a fun conversation and. Um, We've already got a you know a potential second top five to discuss with him uh, in a second guest appearance. Like it was, it was really fun, and, and I think that um, as the episode goes on and as the drinks kept flowing, the stories kept getting crazier. Uh, so I highly suggest you stick around for the duration of uh, of this one. Um, <laughs> towards towards the end, especially it uh, it, it got a, it got a little lit.
0: <laughs> we talked about everything from actual work. Uh, to the bullshit that goes on at work, uh to the debauchery at the bars, to uh really deep sports talk about our sports heroes. Uh I mean this thing went freaking everywhere. And uh I am not I don't want to spoil anything, but there are some stories in here that uh for better or for worse, you know, we left them in 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 the
1: yeah, if, if you're our bosses, <laughs> stop listening now, is what we're
2: saying.
0: <laughs> but no, this one's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, please, it, listen to it all the way. Listen to it in little bits. Do whatever you want. But at some point, finish this episode in, in, in total. Um, appreciate you all, as, uh, as always. Uh, Thursday, you're going to get – we're talking about Spotify wrapped. We've got some thoughts on that. We've got a great week of episodes coming at you. Uh, Make sure you're following us on Instagram, at InterbrewsPod. you're already following us on Twitter, you better be at InterbrewsPod. Subscribe, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, all that good stuff. If you don't know how to follow an episode or a show on Spotify, we'll help you out. Because uh, that's actually something that came up not in the recording. uh, But uh, (laughs) neither of us really knew how to do that. So. But we figured it out. It's all good. Uh, We'll stop yapping now. Jump into this episode. uh, A beer, put on a hat. Austin, cheers to you, sir. Cheers to Nathan Breck. Uh, Cheers to the snapbackers. Enjoy the interview.
3: to crack the beer because I wanted to do the sound effect with the, uh, the
0: I
2: don't even know how to do this, bro. <laughs> ah, the
0: side of the crack. He's the second host to a the guest to have done that. Ben did the same thing, and every time he made sure, like, he drank also, like, we drank a million beers on that episode. Yeah. Every time, like, you could see oh, everyone. He came right up to his, to his mic, and he would just, he would try to open it as a- <laughs>
3: Good. <laughs> i actually did i listened to a good portion of ben's he's a he's a cool dude um oh what am i drinking um laganitas Supercluster ipa
2: hey. Ooh,
3: it's actually my current fave are we just going into the beer segment we yeah let's anything? do it all
2: right
3: beer segment um so this is my currently my favorite beer i'm not usually an ipa guy i went through like a huge embarrassingly huge seltzer phase where like I, I couldn't be convinced that a beer was worth your time basically like it was seltzer or dye um and I went through that phase for like two years and then at uh, one day I was just like I gotta get out like I gotta try something new I gotta branch out I've had like a billion white claws like a billion and <laughs> I'm like I gotta branch out and do something different and I just grabbed these at the liquor store and I was like I fuck with this hard hard and I went from seltzer to I like two years of seltzer strictly to an IPA which is like a decent jump but I tried a few others I'm not I don't love them as much but this one I, I really did I think I got put off the what the day that got me was why I love seltzer so much was that I didn't really have the hangover feel like I felt a lot fresher the next day right like I was like oh I can just run this back if I want to or I can go play some b-ball and, and with beer I didn't feel it. that
0: it's yeah. easier to drink too. Like there's there's something to be said uh for being able to like drink something and not feel like heavy. Like Austin, I think we talked about it
1: yeah.
0: in an episode where it's like you drink a beer and it's like you ate a meal. And like that's not what you want to have when you're day drinking or hot out in the summer. Like for sure. something refreshing, you want something cool. Like I, I fucks with seltzers too. Like for yeah. sure I fucks with seltzers, and it's just an easier
3: drink. I don't know why people give it hate. Like, yeah. I think oh, the day that I got turned off, I think the day that I got turned off was the day I woke up and I like a taste it in my mouth and I was like kind of upset
2: where you're like,
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, th- this hadn't really happened to me. Yet. And I'm like, all right, I'm not really jiving with these flavors right this second. And I usually am just like ready for another, you know, like anytime, any day, just crack a new one. But like that one day where you're like, I I don't want this in my mouth, like get it out. It was like, I got to try something new time to, time yeah. to make a change. Nine
0: forty five in the morning. It's like I fucking taste mango. God damn yeah. it. This lime is
1: killing me right now. The the moment I realized it, so uh me and uh, my my former roommate Max uh were in a heavy seltzer phase, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. Like we would just like go to Publix and you know, if they had a single roll of toilet paper, we'd get, you know, like the single roll because it was limit one per customer. We're like, all right, cool, we got the staples. Now let's go fill the rest of the cart with all of the seltzer that we can because we don't know when we'll be able to get back to the grocery store. Um, and I realized that I had hit my kind of tipping point when the entire bottom shelf of the fridge was just all of the lemon limes from all of the variety packs. So like we had like 20 lemon lime seltzers, like a variety, Claws, uh, Coronas, um uh, oh man, what was that? Bon and Viv, like, all, but all of the like the like cherry the lime, once. lemon, yeah, like, they, and and they were all just sitting down there. And we're like, ah, like, if I'm only drinking, you know, like nine of the twelve, I don't know if I need to be buying these twelve packs anymore.
0: <laughs> you put the ones that you don't want to drink aside, and you end up fucking yourself
3: in the long run because that's all that's left. And you're like,
0: no, I don't want to drink
1: this. Exactly. Go- exactly. Go- exactly.
3: Me and my girlfriend have like an agreement though, like we don't like different ones. So like I do not fuck with the raspberry at all. Like I think it is nasty. So like we do like a draft. Like you get the three raspberry, I'll take the three lime because you don't like the lime, and then we draft between the grapefruit and the black cherry. Whoever like gets two v one on those because we both like those ones. But
2: black cherry, black
3: cherry cherry slaps. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, So we were talking about a little bit earlier uh, the MSU. Michigan work and uh, oh, yeah. personal. I I know two Michigan State fans. Well, I know two. One's Todd Chapman and one's Nathan. And the differences between the two of you, where Todd is very much like, and I don't want to call him out, but he's very much like very self-aware as to the pain that Michigan State has caused him. And he, he plays into it and he plays it very well where he's like, All right, let's ready to win. And then two minutes later, he tweets out. He's like, nope, Belford again. Fuck me. Like, he's very well aware. You, Nate, are all in
3: all the time. Like, bleed Spartan. Listen, (laughs) listen. Of my my teams, all my teams stink. Stink, 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 suck. Whatever you want to call them, all of them suck. So what do you got to do? You got to stick through the dog days. Back in the like early two thousands, we were crushing in baseball. We were crushing in b ball. We were, cru- I mean, we were crushing the world, right? So, and like, I had those days. So now I'm just like going through the dog days, just like riding the wave, trying to get through it. But yeah, there's some tough ones. There's some tough ones.
0: So how do you flip that switch and you go and work for
3: Michigan now, dude? It's something else, man. I think it's like one of it's like one of the easiest things to talk about with basically anyone because. Like, you know, they bring up like, hey, what do you do for work? And I'm like, I work for Michigan. And then we start talking sports or they see me wearing an MSU shirt. And they're like, what? Like, who the fuck are you? You know what I mean? Like, who's this guy that like wears Michigan stuff one day and Michigan State the other? Like, like what's this guy doing? Um, I think it's pretty fun. I know how to like separate my work and play. You know, like I go to work and I root for the team when I'm at work, obviously. Like I root for us to do well as a, as a department. So it's easy for me to root for them in that sense. But I also kind of like the banter. It would be nice to have like one other person you know to like back me up a little bit because it's you know a billion versus one like <laughs> every <laughs> like in the years that michigan state loses in football basically every and they're nice about it because i don't really like rub it in their face because i kind of feel weird like if michigan states to win i don't want to be like oh we suck you know what i mean like i i, I feel super <laughs> weird about it Everyone knows how I align and everyone like when Michigan state loses, is just like walking by my desk, like, Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? And I'm like, I haven't talked to you in a while. Why are you saying what's up today? Particularly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know what they're doing to me. I just
0: imagine Nate, like as soon as the game's over, ripping off his like staff polo and he's got a
3: a fucking Sparty shirt on. He's just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I got to be honest with you guys. And this is, Someone from work's gonna listen to this, so I'm I'm letting my cat out of the bag. My uh, Breeze family got me a pair of gray Spartan socks, and every time they play, I wear the gray Spartan socks. So I'm repping the team. I'm wearing the Michigan on the outside, but underneath, we know where I lie. So that's, that's cool. smart.
1: You know what? That's smart. It reminds me. It brings me back to the 2015 national championship game, the basketball national championship game between Duke and Wisconsin. Walking around campus that day. I was obviously outwardly wearing like a Wisconsin sweatshirt and hat, but I was wearing a Duke shirt just so I was wearing both. Like I had I, I rep both. And then I watched that game from the safety of my own apartment by myself rather than being out on campus. But it is it's it's nice to be able to uh, to to have that secret just to, you know, like, hey, I, I know. But nobody else knows.
3: Yeah. And they're not, they're literally completely great. And then they just have like one teensy little Spartan logo. So even if someone's like, show me the sock, I'll just like show them the not good (laughs) sock. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what I'm doing, man. This is this is just me. But it's nice to have. And like I was at the football game this year, which was crazy. Like, Michigan State stinks. Again, all my teams stink, except for Michigan State basketball. But uh, and they pulled off that win at Michigan, and it was like, you know, crazy. And then you're like, making sure your pants are tucked into your shoes bro like you know what i mean like walking out of there like no one can see like (laughs) what was the interview
0: process like did they did they ask you like because like some interviews processes they kind of want to get to know who you are like yeah that's also who you are so did you mention like oh yeah Yeah. billy loves party by the (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, uh t- there's two funny stories on that. One, actually, one of my coworkers, she's never admitted to me, but other people have told me. She said they didn't want me. She didn't want me.
2: Really? Wow. To
3: some extent, it's just like it's tricky because like the it's such a ri- like such a such a massive rivalry that you just like want people to believe in the culture that you've instilled. And like for someone who's so openly against that culture, in their personal life to be able to like flick a switch. I think she was just hesitant about she, I mean, we get along great now and everything. And like, she's probably this like number one person who chirps me the most, just like regarding Michigan, Michigan state rivalry. But yeah, I think at the beginning she was pretty skeptical about the fact, but then my boss also texted me. I had a old Twitter. I'm a mess on Twitter, but I had an old Twitter account. And like, basically the only thing I did on that Twitter account was retweet the blocked punt. Like, the most famous like every time every time i saw it i just retweeted it and my boss like when he offered me the job actually emailed me and he was like you should probably scrub that twitter like he like was literally like wow. he was like that's not a great look that you just like every time you see this block punt against the school that was like hiring you that like they're uh you know that you're like retweeting as a funny way. <laughs> so, so that account's gone <laughs>
0: that's like that's like if austin got a job like interviewed for the also got a job with the red Sox, and like every time he sees the Aaron Boone home run he just like,
1: <laughs> dude if that's a deal breaker I'm choosing the retweets yeah
3: <laughs> I yeah I think it's like important I don't know I think it's I think it's fun and like again you know just prioritizing like you understand where you are like I, I never openly would root or anything like that like on the job for anything but Michigan obviously so it's just like you just have to know where you are and who you're around when you're doing it, but it is an interesting dynamic for sure. Pretty fun
1: living on the edge, dude. I, it, it, so what's it? What's it like? Because I know um, the the Wisconsin uh, fan base and hashtag Badger Twitter was making a really big deal uh, out of our game um, at Michigan because they allowed families in. So even though parents couldn't watch their own kids in Madison at Camp Randall. If they could make the trip, they could. Are they still doing that or with rising cases, it's completely shut. State, State of Michigan
3: uh, at that time had a legal outdoor gathering of 500 or less. Um, so the families of both teams were included in that 500 person total for the stadium. Gotcha. Um, since that gathering number has significantly decreased and they've eliminated um, families attending the games. But still, like Michigan women's basketball, who's the main team that I work for um, in my job title, is they're playing at Notre Dame, and they literally told the families, hey, Indiana state laws allow you to watch the game. If you can make the trip, you should go there because chances of you coming to watch your, you know, your daughter this season at home are probably not super high. So it's yeah. state by state. Um, but, yeah, now since the time Wisconsin played here, we have since eliminated.
0: What's been the biggest challenge for you? Because so your assistant director of fan entertainment, mm-hmm. no fans or limited fans. Like I, I think that there, I, I, I don't know. I look at it because like Austin and I, uh, in it's somewhat cut and dry. No season, so it's it's off the table. No has to worry about it. Uh, but for a bunch of colleges in the collegiate level, uh, they're moving ahead and. then they're told here's the situation
3: go do it yeah honestly biggest challenge and biggest frustration on my job right now is there's so much pressure to engage with the fan base in different capacities this year than other years and in my opinion sometimes we engage with them to say we're engaging with them as opposed to Actually, making a meaningful, meaningful impact. For example, like we do a, we never have done a in house pregame show for football. Never. Not one time in the history of Michigan, they just Fox or whoever's broadcasting the game does their pregame show and everyone tunes into that, right? This year, we're doing an in house one where you get like one exclusive interview and you like do a couple of things, but then the fan has to sur- actively seek out a live broadcast on Facebook or something like that to get content that they basically get from Fox, right? Like they're still getting the pregame thing. And it's like, if you're not like balancing, is this actually moving the needle in terms of fan engagement or is this doing something because we're not doing something else? I think that's like been a really big challenge for sure.
0: So just looking almost like, it's almost like checking a box.
3: It, to some extent. It's like, well, and honestly, we all feel like, especially like the fan experience team, right? Like our job is, relatively obsolete right now like we still we do like the djing at the sporting events and we do like we still write the scripts and like do starting lineups and you know stuff like that but from what we were doing to what we're doing right now i mean it's you know massively massively different so i think you almost feel like some obligation like we want to you know we want to be providing something um to our fans that we usually our whole life is to interact with these people. Like we want to provide something for them. I think just the biggest challenge has been like, what's really meaningful to them. What means, you know, what are they really taking away from it and what is just doing it to say we're doing it. I think that's what we've been really struggling with.
0: Have you been able to figure out what those meaningful things are? Yeah. There's
3: been, there's been a couple of really good things we've done and most of them aren't game day related. Like I think that once people are in the game day mindset, whatever the sport is, they're in the game day mindset. Right. But like, For example, last Sunday, I got the season ticket holders on a, we call them chalk talks. It's head coach basically talks to them about like what the team scouting report on the team, maybe what the next opponent's scouting report is, um, like maybe a little get to know you. And we just invite it. We do that in person, usually on right before a game. So the coach comes up like an hour before the game talks to him, we provide some food, and then they go on and coach the game and the fans go to the game. This year we're doing that virtually, and they still—I mean—eat it up. Like n- you literally have to end it because they're raising their hands so much, like that you just have to like cut it, quit. So, like that is something that it's you know a virtual capacity of something we were doing before that has been really effective. That, uh, you know, we could or could could not do, but they have really you know eaten that up. So there's stuff like that that has that has been
2: effective.
1: Have you been, um, or have you found it easier or harder? to work with like the sponsorship team? Um, Cause I know that there's had to been probably a lot of reallocation and a lot of, you know, quote unquote, getting creative. Um, and I'm not sure what that, that correspondence is within the office, but I'm sure it's not always a streamlined or super streamlined yeah. uh, communication process anyway. Yeah. Has that been like tough or has it just been, you know, kind of just another day at the office?
3: Yeah. So one of the really interesting things, and I don't know if you guys know or not, but sewing, so like minor league baseball, you usually have like an in-house sponsorship team. Like at Michigan, we work with IMG. So it's an external sponsorship team. They're not even in our building. Like we barely, honestly, we don't even see them in person maybe, but like a few times a year. Like I don't, I have relationships with them. We'll get a happy hour once or twice a year. And like, we do talk over email a lot, but it's so like, you know, when I'm at the Seawolves, man, like you want something, you want something sponsored. Greg Coleman, we're in a room talking about what the sponsor feature is going to look like. And that's like, a lot more virtual even before everything that's been going on with us this year. Um, so the sponsorship relationship in general is a lot different. Um, Michigan doesn't sponsor their, in their stadium. There are only one or two left. Uh, they, and I think it's outrageous. I think it's insane. Um, but they just – I mean, if the Red Sox are sponsoring their stadium, if the Yankees are sponsoring their stadium, if – I mean, the most traditional places in the entire world, Alabama's sponsoring their stadium, Texas is sponsoring their stadium it's just down to Notre Dame and Michigan. And I don't think either one of them wants to be the one that like, they're playing a big game of chicken. Like who's going to be the one that sponsors the stadium first. And they're just like going back and forth at each other. Uh, But so sponsorship in football is pretty much irrelevant. So we're really just getting into sponsorship season, right? honestly, like in the last couple of weeks, basketball started at home last week. So, um, yeah, definitely been some brainstorming on like how we're doing like virtual T-shirt tosses that you know usually a sponsor would be covering the T-shirt toss in stadium and like now we're doing that in a virtual capacity um, through a, you know social media uh, stuff like that. We have had to do some brainstorming on, but that's really just starting to get underway for us.
1: Without that's crazy. So uh, I um, I told you this the last time. Uh, We saw each other, but one of my former colleagues um, in Greensboro with the Grasshoppers now, ironically enough, works in marketing for Wisconsin's athletic department. So it's super cool because I've been able to see some of the behind the scenes things and and selfishly, it's been super fun for me. Shout out Brooke. Um, And actually also shout out Brooke. She was the one that told me about this. But one of the things that they've done is called Badgers Live. Excuse me. Um, And for the very few football games that they have played this year shout out covid uh while we're on the shout out streak um <laughs> they, uh, they've they've had like this uh like a virtual game where like you have an option like you hit a button and you're cheering or you can clap or you can chant do trivia the radio broadcaster matt LePay, who's like a local legend is coming through and like you have a video shot of him so you can have it going on your phone while you're watching on tv and i just did it because i wanted to see what it was all about and it was actually during the michigan game I finished in like the top 10 or whatever of people playing in terms of points. (laughs) Very Uh, active. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I I got an email uh, saying, you know, hey, could you send your T-shirt size and your address? I was like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. Am I getting a T-shirt out of this? Not only did I get the T-shirt, which is awesome, like Under Armour T-shirt, not half bad. But there were also some sponsored things in there that I have since done some research and realized that it was like the, the, some of the make goods in the reallocation. So I have two coupons, uh, for a free scoop of ice cream from Culver's. If I can get within driving distance of a Culver's within the next few months. Uh, down, yeah. Down <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is questionable at best, but, uh, super, like, it's just interesting. It's, it's, um, it's unique to see, Uh, how every sport has handled, you know, the, the COVID times differently. Uh, Like, do you have a bubble? Do you not have a bubble? Uh, Do you have sponsors? Do you not have sponsors? Uh, Are you allowing families? Are you not allowing families? Uh, You know, like, I mean, it's, it's, do you have crowd noise or do you not have crowd noise? Like that's one of the craziest things that, you know, the first week of college basketball, it was a story in the pregame for everything is like, well, you know, the NCAA has has regulated that it needs to be at a murmur. So this is what it sounds like. You, and then they you the do not want to know how much time
3: I spent out there with a DB <laughs> meter looking at how loud the murmur was. Like, does this sound good? <laughs> does this sound good? Like way too much time just like figuring out the perfect decibel for the crowd murmur. Way too much time. Wait. God, that's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And then like, you know, you gotta get the team out there, and then they go on the road and they're like, ah, oh, they were playing and it. felt so much louder. And we're like, we only got three DBs to play with. Like, where how high can we go? Like it's it is wild, just uh you know, this year is just a completely different year, especially for us people who are just spend so much time with the fans. This is definitely a really unique experience for sure.
0: Have you had a lot of those um other duties as a signed Austin- Joke about that a lot like obviously you know nate you were you were in minor league baseball like you do all these things but it seems like like something like standing in the middle of the court holding up a dv meter that's another as other duties as a sign where you're like what the fuck am i doing like i shouldn't be doing yeah. this
3: how many other of those things have you had since covid or pre-covid let's go pre-covid because i got some good ones i got some good ones <laughs> let me be clear about this when i was applying for this job from my understanding the people that were in the finals for this, for, you know, to get this responsibility, this role, uh, it was me. And then it was some people with some college athletics experience. And I, they really said that I separated myself with my creative thinking, basically from my minor league experience. No, I mean, no surprise. Listen, like so we do, you know, we do crazy shit. Um, and so what happened was when I had came to Michigan I mean, the expectation was I was going to come up with some crazy ideas, but it was also that I was going to do all the crazy shit we came up with, like everything. So like, for example, we did Chrysler as the stadium, the basketball stadium, and we did Chrysler vacation for the holiday season. And I had to dress up as uncle Eddie in a men's basketball game in front of 15,000 people. And I had to do like the shootout challenge, but I'm wearing undies and a robe with my chest hair out, like, basically buck naked, out in, like, a big crowd, and then they, like, smack me up. Like, they put me on, like, Fox and stuff like that, so people are texting me at home, like, I'm on TV, and I'm like, I don't want my moment on TV being half naked, um, like, dressed up. So, like, that kind of stuff, I'm, every time, without fail, they don't even think about anyone else. There's no other contenders. It's me, every time. I, the... I
0: feel like you don't have a problem doing those kind of things. Yeah.
3: But there's like a You really don't
0: don't have any shame.
3: Yeah, I'm not I'm not too scared of much. I will there's just like that one was probably the toughest for me to like get over just because I mean like being clothed, I can pretty much do whatever and look like a fool, but I wasn't. So I was like worried my robe was just gonna like fall off when I'm like shooting a half court shot. And like pretty big magnitude, right? Like Full packed house, fifteen thousand people there, and like TV broadcast. Lo and behold, covering me do this thing. So it's like the reach was a lot bigger in that specific moment, and not being clothed. Where I was like, this might be a little too big for me. Like this is this this is a little <laughs> big. It was fun. I mean, <laughs> looking back, I did it the next year as Grinch, and I went four for four. So that was like pretty sick. I was like pretty hype about that. The uncle, he didn't Grinch costume, awesome. full Grinch. Yeah, head on and everything. I could barely see, bro. I was like trying to find the rim from three point line. Like, had to move my head while I'm still like sh- chucking up shots. But it was pretty. Good. Um, yeah. So definitely have those still crazy responsibilities, and I'm that guy. Like, I'm not getting away from that. I just got to embrace you're, it. You're that guy.
1: No matter no what, matter what. Like, yeah,
0: it's always going to be Nate.
1: Nate. Nate's gonna do it. It's it is crazy. Uh, you know, like no surprise to anybody listening to this. I've been interviewing with uh, anybody that'll talk to me over the last uh, few months, and um, some of the collegiate properties that I've been talking to have brought up things along the lines of, uh, you know, like, well, this is a unique thing that we do, and I'm like, Eric. <laughs> It's, it's not as unique yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not as unique as yeah uh, you know what like my entire internship was more unique than your most unique thing. yeah <laughs> trust me i got it like we we can do this
3: <laughs> when we went alternative facts night at the Seawolves like eight i like walk i mean they walked in first day and they're like you're never doing this here first of all like you're never doing they it they mentioned i brought it up my interview because they wanted to every person who interviewed me which their process was very extensive every person was like what was your craziest promo and i tried to like mix it up you know i like brought that one and then i brought something a little bit more tame and just to be like i'm versatile it's not just like a one-hit wonder but i mean there is nothing that will ever get approved ever at the university of michigan ever as outrageous as when we did alternative facts i mean never So anything, I mean, anything pales in comparison. I put a thing on the board that said Mexico didn't pay for this wall either on the video board pointing at our outfield wall. And I'm just thinking when fans are walking into the stadium, like, we are so fucked. We are so fucked. Like the whole time, I mean, you're just like, oh my God, it's so nerve wracking.
0: Nate, do you remember we were sitting with Fernando talking out of certain skits that he was set on wanting to do? And we were, the gates were open out to open and we are telling him no
3: we cannot do this i'm like one. looking him in the eye i'm like i'm fucking is, i'm 22 years old i'm telling the guy who pays my fucking bills that his idea is <laughs> terrible but i have to if i want to keep my job i would argue that there's not a
0: lot of minor league teams really. with the stones That's, like like let a, like i know college there's a lot more red tape right but Even in a place like maybe some indie ball teams would go after that. But there's a lot of teams that, I I mean, that one you wouldn't touch. I got asked about that a few months ago. And like hindsight of a couple years of looking back, it was like, you know what? I'm proud of us for doing it. It was a lot of fun at the time. Like no one can ever take that away from us. But I don't know if I'd be in a rush to do.
3: It depends on the climate of the country. We're just on a spot right this second where that seems like that was, you know what I mean? Like at the time, at the time, I think a lot, I think at the time, a lot of the things going on in the country were perceived as a lot more of a joke. Like, and I mean this to be insulting, but it was just a joke. Right. And now it's like, this isn't fucking funny. Like nothing that is happening in this country is funny at all. Like, so let's not laugh about it. Let's not talk. Like, if we're going to talk about it, let's be civil and let's move on. But, like, at the time, I think there was just a lot more, like, humor that you could put behind it. And right now it's like, don't touch it. Yeah, get
2: away. It,
0: it was before we realized, like, how how bad it actually could yeah, be. Yeah, it could be. Like, yeah, you know, I, I get that. That's that's outrageous. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, I would love to know uh, what those interviews what is going in their head while you're telling them about this fucking promotion where- Oh, they ate
3: it up because I think they- Oh, I'm sure they did. I think they like kind of live by, like a lot of the guys that are like, Michigan, one thing I'll say is like, they treat their employees so great, right? And they're like, it's my favorite part about working there is like, they care so much about your like quality of life, like your work-life balance. Like they're so, 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 so amazing about that. It also creates a lot of people who will never leave right there's a ton of people there that, that are like why would i ever leave this fucking place it's awesome and like every, they treat me so well so the people that have been there for 20 years were like you know have never worked in sports outside of there like you're batshit crazy and i love it you know what i mean like i like <laughs> you're a crazy motherfucker and i'm like yeah i mean kinda
1: <laughs> dude it's it, it's that that forever will be like to me on the mount rushmore like if you have to choose four promotional theme night ideas that define the industry or define a time, like the the last four years have been weird in the country. Because I, I don't think that especially guys our age have ever experienced such just clear and straight up division between people. But all of us working within sports and entertainment have this unique ability to try to bring people together under a singular banner. And the fact that you were able to pull that off, (laughs) it's yeah, we almost did it. it, it Let's just say
3: we almost did it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've never felt more relieved for a game to be over than that night where it was like final out was made and was like, Holy shit, we did it. Because I
2: think and I give a
0: lot of credit to like our whole team because we really worked hard yeah, for sure. to to flush it out as best we could, make sure we were straddling the, the line of the political spectrum, and also getting as close to the to the edge as we could without going over. It certainly helped having Fernando's backing because at the end of the day, he's the owner, yeah, yeah, you know? and he basically was like, "Fuck y'all, doing this shit," and you're like, "All right, giddy up, here we go." But um it goes back to like when we were trying to talk him off the ledge and like, and fuck, like, I, I don't know, Nate, like I, I'm really happy we didn't do some of those things. Like I know at the time it was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. But inside you're like, no, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> well, I
3: think like a lot of times they say there's like no bad ideas. And like, that is, I pretty much believe that. Like I shoot out some crazy fucking ideas in like brainstorm sessions for sure. For sure, uh, but like that was one of those scenarios where there were bad ideas. You know, like there were like there were things where we had to be, like <laughs> shut it down. Like before this even gets any legs, like this can't even get baby ant legs. Like this got no legs. You know what I mean?
2: Like,
3: and there was a lot of them. And I, to be honest with you. Like politically correct or not, like I think it was, what it, it was like what was awesome about that brainstorm is like it was a safe space for us to discuss anything, understanding that like some of our ideas were going to be too edgy. Like when you're touching the line so close, like we did some really edgy things. And like when you're towing that line so hard, there's going to be things that are set in a brainstorm meeting that are too far, like, and that's, and some one person might not think so, but as long as you got a majority vote, you know, you can kind of get yourself out of it, but there are definitely some bad fucking ideas in that meeting, like bad.
0: What is, what, uh, what, have you, what did you take from that to, to now to where like, again, college, it's a little bit more red tape, a little bit more structure, um, but that that's a really good experience to have of going through something like that. And like Like you mentioned, you take from your minor league days, to to what you do now. What what's the biggest lesson that you could probably point to alternative facts night or or being edgy like that? What's the biggest lesson you can point to that to helping you right now in the in the in the
3: I feel like be fearless, to be honest. Like, I think that one of the biggest things and one of my strongest qualities and like, I don't want to, you know, pump my own tires, but like, I think one of my own, my biggest strong suits now is that like, I'm not afraid to say like, I think I have a good idea ever. Right. And like schedule a meeting or something like, Hey, I just want to iron out something I came up with. It's completely bad. shit. Like, I understand, but let's talk about it. And I think that that came, I didn't have that before I went to Erie. No, and, like worked in minor league baseball. No way, no how. And honestly, I don't even know if that completely it did to some extent, but completely even formulated when I was there, like because I was still so new to the business and still so new. But I think like doing an alternative facts night and having the backing of so many like people who have been doing it for so long was like dude, you can set, like, you can try to do anything and like, you're going to, it's not like you're just going to go do something like that without getting approval by everybody. You know what I mean? So I think just like having the like confidence and like the fearlessness to just like go into that room and be like, I know my idea is crazy, but I actually think it might have some legs. Like let's, let's chat it through and like some, they don't get off the table, but just having that confidence, I think that came a lot from my minor
0: league baseball days. That's a good lesson for, uh, Austin, you probably would agree to this. That's a good lesson to anybody trying to get a job. At this yeah, point. Jesus, yeah. Like just fucking be fearless because the majority of the people you work with, they've been there for a while. That's why they're there. Yeah. And that's why they're around.
1: Well, also, uh, just to to add my own two cents to that, like I, I never understand people that try to to not be themselves, like to try to put on a front of like what they think somebody wants them to be. Like, yeah, like you are who you are. If it's going to work, it's going to work. If, if it's not, then it's not. But the only person that would be miserable would be yourself because you would have to live up to this false expectation that you set for yourself. Whereas like if you fly by the seat of your pants, good, fly by the seat of your pants, but be that person, right? Like if, if there's an organization that wants you and wants somebody that's going to fly by the seat of their pants, perfect. If they want somebody that's going to be buttoned up and tight it and standing in a corner all day. You could be that in an interview, but are you gonna be that every day at work? If you are, you're gonna be fucking miserable. like that's it 100%. like I, and I think I went into my interview with
3: Michigan, like I was really hopeful I was gonna get that job. I really wanted to get back home um at the time, like I, I was ready to get back closer to my family and everything like that. But I went into that interview and I was like, if I'm anything else less than myself, like I don't want like I don't want them to think that I'm gonna come in here and be exactly what they tell me to be like I want to come in here and be who I want to be. And if you don't want that, then I don't want that either. Um, and I think that was another like big thing of why I ended up getting the job was just like, I was shameless like, and again, like fearless of like, I, this is who I am. If you want it, buy in. If you don't, I'm all right. But like, I'm going to be me. And I think anyone should like go in with that mantra. Like, we don't want you to be fake. If I'm high, like if I'm hiring someone's exact same thing, like I don't want you to tell me that you're like the most organized person in the world and have every single interview question pinpointed exactly what you're going to say and never stutter off your line. If you're going to come in the first day and be dancing, like you're not telling me the same, you're not giving me the picture of who you're actually going to be. So I walked in there just like my gumpy old self, just like, what's up? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I like sat in a room. I mean, I, you know, I kept it together to some extent, but like, I didn't shave the beard every meet, every interview I had gone on before that. I think I, It maybe every, I had like gone completely clean shaven. I'm like, that's not me. Like I, I wear a beard. Like that's, that's some, that's a part of me. And then like, I sat in a room and the different interview people came into me like over the course of like six hours. And I started like offering people water, like, Hey, like, come on in like night like And I ever, every person I did it to loved it. Like I had like almost like made myself at home in the sense that I'm like, I'm breaking the ice here. You want to water? And they're like, I have like 10 empty bottles in front of me because I've been sitting there for so long. You know what I mean? (laughs) And just like stuff like that, man, just like gotta be.
1: It's this was not a story uh, that I experienced personally, but one of my former bosses um, tells the story often. They had a intern application and under charity work on this application, it said ALS ice bucket challenge. So that's intriguing, right? Like, Oh man, like, Were they involved? Like, started like society? Yeah, like what's that? So he calls the guy and interview, and like, okay, things go well. Well spoken kid, leaning towards giving him the opportunity. Ask, you know, so what's your relation to the ice bucket challenge? And the kid goes, Oh, I just did it. So, like, the fact the fact that that was on his resume essentially led to the interview. He did well in the rest of the interview. Then it got to the point where it was like, uh, oh, like y- you you, put Ice Bucket Challenge under charity work because you did the Ice Bucket Challenge. Like, okay, yeah, you're definitely getting this position. Like, you're you're 100% somebody that I want on my team. <laughs> like...
0: I Also, just realize uh, this episode, much like last episode, is just all over the fucking place. Yeah. Shannon. we never yeah i mean it is what it is um we never finished uh the brew reviews or did hats
3: or have done really anything i don't think we, we think we like kicked it off really we just
1: like yeah, we, <laughs> we, yeah just, we just kind we just, we just of went <laughs> we're just going all right hold on so we, just, quick quick we're gonna go brew review then hat review quick recap because i already forgot Laganita's Supercluster, a
3: Citra hop, supercluster, mega IPA of intergalactic proportions. Um, Love it. Based out of Chicago, I believe. I think Laganese is Chicago. Oh, right? sh- yeah.
1: Chicago. Yep.
3: Chicago. Um, what is, let me give you a, they really don't give you a whole lot of like the, it's super hoppy or any of that. They really talk about outer space quite a bit on the can. Um, you are here on a speck of dust, three tiny rocks from the source at the ed- edge of something much larger in the middle of something else at the beginning of the end. It's a lot to wrap your head around. So take it one gulp at a time. Life is uncertain. And Nate's over there just crushing them. Putting <laughs> them in a body bag, dog. Just like throwing them away <laughs> right now.
1: <laughs> you, so what? What? what was that line, putting your head in a circle or putting your head in a... I said body bag I,
3: put, I said I mean but, is, no no. what was all, on, like, here? on the
1: can what was uh,
3: uh, I mean should we start it from the top again want it back here? Yeah,
1: yeah yeah and I'll stop you at that moment yeah alright
3: you are here on a speck of dust three tiny rocks from the source at the edge of something much larger in the middle of something else at the beginning of the end it's a lot to wrap your wrap your head around so take it, it one gulp at a time life is that's like a, it
1: so as you were saying it's a lot to wrap your head around they knew. They knew. Great marketing team. Because at that point, I was shaking my head in disbelief. Both of you
3: guys' faces were like <laughs> cross-eyed. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, that's pretty uh, Yeah, it's pretty tasty. Uh, just kind of my go-to right now. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. I feel like I drink a lot of beer, but I'm not very good at And I actually am like a huge foodie. Like if you started talking food, I can like kind of dissect a meal pretty well. But when it comes to beer, I'm like, this tastes kind of hoppy, tastes pretty good. Like that's that, you know, like I don't know what else to say about it. I, I like it. It's my beer and I'm drinking it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> IPA. Okay. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Nate, I think do, do I do I know that hat? You know this hat? Okay, cool. So let's let's circle back because I want to I, I want to end on that hat because because right, yeah. we've got stories about them, so. this hat has All way
3: right. too many stories, way too many.
1: Yeah,
3: some good, yeah. some bad, uh, some very
1: bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter, uh, what are you drinking? I'm going Ballast Point today. Whoa!
0: SoCal action, San Diego uh, origin. Doing their lager, I actually have a uh, variety pack that I bought the other day. So for the next few shows, hopefully, unless I drink them all, I have a couple of different options to go from. what uh, with the lager though, Ballast Point. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's. I just, I like, obviously I like Southern California stuff, but Ballast Point is uh, a particularly um, special brewery for me just because I it's home, um, but it's a lager. You know, you know my 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 love for loggers. Uh, there's really no. I was trying to look at the can here. There's nothing on there like what Nate had. <laughs> and, and even if there was, I don't think I'd be able to match up to that. <laughs> All it fucking says is bright, refreshing, and fit for an adventure.
2: Man,
3: like I don't know. <laughs> Here's a brain fuck in my can. Yours is like this. Is tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> my can's my can's reacting
0: to whatever the fuck was on Nate's there. It's like.
1: i love it i love it and i love the story behind it it's very touching and warming uh and i love it um i do have i do have some some verbiage on my bottle
2: nice love Uh, that
1: so i've got a little sierra nevada celebration ipa it is their winter seasonal ipa um and We first brewed Celebration IPA in the winter of 1981. Each year, we use only the the first fresh hops of the growing season to create this complex and robust ale. Layered pine and citrus hop aromas balance delicately against rich malt sweetness to shape this bold wintertime classic. To me, it does just taste like an IPA, but it's good. Um... But they obviously took a lot of care and time to write all those adjectives. Uh, so just shout out Sierra Nevada. Um, we're gonna snake draft this so we end back on the hat with the stories. Uh, this hat that I'm rocking today is maybe 20 years old, um, as you can tell by the width of the snaps. I'm I'm on like maybe like two snaps here. Uh, this is an old school lid. My uncle is a judge in Northeast Ohio. uh, And he's held the seat for, I think, like 15, 18 years, something like that. But this was his original campaign hat, Januzzi for Judge. Uh, And I found it recently going through a bin of uh, old stuff from my childhood and figured uh, there was never a better time than uh, a little bit of snapbacks and interbrews action to break it out, dust it off. Uh, I do have a piece of cardboard in there because it was flattened. Uh, in a bin, and I'm trying to reshape it so that I can wear it on the reg. Uh, but yeah, shout out uh, Tom Januzi, my uncle, the judge.
3: I feel like it's got the look that a lot of hat companies are going for with like some retro look hats now that they like can't really achieve. And that one's just like true to its form. Like that's where that's where OG.
0: Flat, flat in a flat in a box,
1: a few years old. That's all you need. I thought the core and, cardboard and was
3: from 1981. I was like, "Damn, someone took good care of that hat." Like, I thought
1: that was like- <laughs> this and and like you can see, well, maybe I don't know if you guys can, but the listeners definitely can't. There's a little bit of wear in here. Like, there's a little bit of discoloration on the inside. But I probably, I probably only wear, wear it like 15, 20 times. Uh So like, it's still relatively fresh. Like, if I can get the shape back, oh baby, this is money. This is money. So are there, was there a box with a ton of those because was
0: was he handing those out as on the campaign trail or was it just one of one I'm going to be the judge.
1: So this was this was the original campaign. So he won the first campaign and then has just been reelected ever since. So they only did this once. I don't know what year it was. Um but yeah, so this is this was a one-time edition. I can't imagine he made more than like 100. Uh, like all the cousins got got one, like all of his siblings got one, uh, and then you know, like I'm sure you know the folks that worked at his law office or or wherever he was before, like had some. Uh, but I don't even know how you campaign for judge. If I'm being completely honest, like I don't know what that process is like because it's nonpartisan. Like you just have to be like, I know the law, vote for me.
3: yeah and you're like unless you have like personal experience with it you're not really like this guy's good or like this guy or girl is good or bad you're like i have no fucking idea what you've been ruling on the last 18
1: years yeah it's such a weird elected position but anyway uh that's (laughs) that's my lid for tonight uh i'm
0: going to i mentioned i've mentioned it the last few episodes i'm running out of hats so we're now in uh rewear phase until i get new ones um, but I decided since I'm going with Ballast Point for my beer, Southern California, I'm going to go Southern California. My hat, it's Cove, uh, the co- uh, Cove Surf Company and Apparel. Um, every purchase, I'm going to give them a free plug, no free ads, but a free ad here. Every purchase that you make, Cove USA Company, uh, 20% goes back to ocean conservation. So, fucking, okay, you want to save the ocean? Get on that ship.
3: I do want to save the ocean. I do. Really, I really do. We got to step it up. Um, all right. Got it. <laughs> that was stupid. Cut that. <laughs> Anytime anyone ever says cut that is when they definitely put it into. So now I just have to get over the fact that that is like probably going to make it.
0: We had one guest. I can't remember who it was. Austin, you might. But we had one guest who kept saying like, take that out. Take that out. And like finally Austin was like, no, like,
3: keep that. <laughs> I had was a just, moment there earlier. Was one. I had a moment earlier where I was like, oh, I don't want that to be there. And I was like, dude, you said it, like, get over it. You know what I mean? Like if it was, if it was worthy of making the cut, it will, if it isn't it, it won't, but
1: get over it. Well, that's, it's like, I don't, we, so we're doing better than I ever thought we would from a listener standpoint and shout out everybody that makes us a part of your week. Uh, it's a, still a little bit insane to me. Oh I, just, yeah, it's just insane. Uh, so, so thank you. Um, but, we don't have like you know a charting podcast, so outside of our network, there's not very many people listening to us right <laughs> so it's it's the the worst story told on here is probably known by 50% of the listeners anyway. (laughs) I was actually
3: talking about it before, like thinking of if I like got into an area where I could talk about some like crazy stories, right? Like what are worthy of talking about it? And then like, I, you know, there's like a couple that are like, and then I was like, I mean, at the end of the day, like it is a story that most of the people I care about already know, like, and most of the other people will never know me. So it's like that gray area of people I really don't want to listen to it is actually not that big.
1: Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It happens. It All happens. Right. So what what are you wearing on your head? Uh, so that we can tell some fun stories here.
3: <laughs> uh I'm wearing my trusty steed. For as a guy that likes to do a lot of things with Flash, I actually went pretty conservative on my beer selection and my hat selection. I went with my two faves. Um, the hat is a Detroit Tigers gray dry fit strap back not a snapback, a strapback, um, but it's been through a lot. It's pretty much the one that I, I think it's the comfiest hat I've ever owned. And I think that's why I've, even if it's not, I, I like the look of it, but it's not maybe my favorite look aesthetically, just the sheer comfort of it. Like anytime I'm like hung over or like haven't showered, you know, like this is the one I'm going to 78 or higher percent of the time. Like it's, it's the one you know it's the one I go to it's it's days of being a bar hat, I think are over like I think this one is like lost it's like it's 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 been through a lot you know what I mean like I'm not probably wearing it wearing it out but to go get some like hungover food like this one is it 10 out of 10 so that's that
0: we need to normalize the like the comfort clothes like the comfort apparel where you just know like I don't care how shitty it looks. I don't care. Like, I'm, it's not for fashion. It's just, it helps me feel like I'm a little bit put together. I feel like that's what that hat is. Like, I have mine where it's like, I know this isn't the best looking thing, but I feel comfortable. And there's a sense of, like, like uh,
3: I don't know. Like, I, I just, I'm not complete without it. Yeah. Um, comfort over fashion 100%. and here's the thing you almost feel like you have an emotional attachment like this is my hat i'm doing it a disservice if i'm talking about a hat and i'm not talking about my hat right like i'm doing this thing austin has a story about it like he even knows the hat like this is my freaking hat why would i go on a hat podcast and not wear my hat like even if there's one cooler like there's some cooler but this is the one Like this is it it's my love
1: <laughs> But these the, these are these are big facts. Yeah, big facts machine. Big facts, like huge facts. So, here is my story about that hat. Oh yeah, here we go. So, so the last time we saw each other in person was May of two thousand or June of two thousand nineteen.
3: Yes, correct.
1: In our little group chat earlier today, I sent a picture of you behind the bar at the right field bar in Daytona at the Tortugas ballpark, because you and your girlfriend came down to Orlando, which is an hour drive away for a conference. You texted me like, Hey, do you guys have a game tonight? I said, not only do we have a game, but it's a thirsty Thursday. And you said, cool. See you there. And you came over, you drove over from Orlando uh, saw the game, hung out. I'm pretty sure it drizzled on us, if not outright rained for a little bit. Light drizzle, but it was warm. Yeah. It
3: was a light drizzle, yeah. but it was warm. Yep.
1: It was very humid. Uh, it was Florida humid. Uh, and you were wearing that hat. And at the end of the night, uh, my coworkers were very kind to me and kind of took my end of game duties so that I could join you at the right field bar where we proceeded to drink many 32-ounce IPAs. I think it was the Goose Island that we had on tap that night. One shadow Chicago again.
3: One billion thirty-two ounce IPAs. Not it was, a little amount. Was, a lot amount.
1: A lot amount of beers. Uh and it was a great, it was a great time. We were there until like the wee hours of the morning. Um had to get on the phone with the Uber driver because our our ballpark has a weird address and they could not find it. And we're like, no, 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 no. Just come over. Yeah. Come over the bridge, but then stop before you get to the next bridge. No, like the, the pedestrian bridge. No, like next to the fire station. No, you want to pass the fire station, but you want, we're in front of the statue, the giant bronze statue, just come to the statue. Uh, And that was the hat that you were wearing. And I found a picture uh, of you behind the bar in it and sent it in the group chat. So I appreciate the fact on a personal level that you decided to bring it back for this episode. So this is me with a heartfelt thank you to you.
3: I have a lot to say about this right now. I have a lot to follow this up with because your night ended when you got me in the Uber. My night did not end when I got in the Uber. <laughs> so there's, there's actually multiple parts of this and I don't even really know where to start, honestly. First of all, let me preface this with saying the Uber not being able to find the ballpark is not in my memory. That is not something that I specifically remember. First thing I remember about that night was, and I remember a good amount until, you know, the wee hours of the morning. The first thing I remember is that that game was the one and only time I have ever been hit by a foul ball, which was (gasps) awesome. Which was awesome. Oh my God. (laughs) No. I forgot
2: (laughs) all about that.
3: Hunter, you got to listen to this. He was giving us a stadium tour. And we're over, it's Thursday, Thursday, and they got a dog deal. And like, I mean, Austin was very generous in the fact that like we were, had a beer in our hand for a large more portion of the night, if not every single second of every single minute of the entire night. Um, so we're getting some dogs and we're waiting in line and it's like kind of a blind spot. You can't, you can't see the field from the concession line. And a ball just sails over the, the back uh the back stands and just drills me right in the chest, waiting in the concession line and just like falls to the ground. And like it was Austin and one of Austin's coworkers, me and my girlfriend. Everyone's like, Oh my god, are you all right? Are you all right? And I'm like, honestly, I, I barely even felt it, but I just think that this is the funniest thing that has ever happened. Like of like I'm the one guy who comes to visit Austin and just gets dri- like hits with a foul ball, <laughs> like literally inning two. Like immediately,
0: <laughs> um, just standing there too. Not even like doing anything. We're like, like not like like if you get hit by a foul ball in the stands and you're not paying attention. Yeah, you, jokes like, on st- you. Yeah,
2: <laughs> standing there <in> line.
3: <laughs> Yeah, <You're laughs> making, you know, I'd like to think that there's a very low percentage chance that sitting in my seat, I will ever get by hit by a foul ball. Like I think I'm attentive enough. Like. It's possible, but I don't think it's highly likely. But in a spot where you can't see the field and you got no idea what's going on, like I'm, I'm taking that. Like I'm fine with that. That happened.
1: That's the craziest thing is in my time with the team there, it was always like a uh, like a pretty considerate or considerable worry because you're completely blind to the field at that point, like yeah. right on the river. So you're walking around along the concourse. The Jackie Robinson Walking Museum is there. Mm-hmm. So there are always people, doesn't matter if it's pregame, postgame, during the game, always people looking at those exhibits. And you're completely out in the open. And to my knowledge, nobody had been hit on the fly in my time with the team until that night when I was standing three feet from you when it happened. Right in the chest. Like Un- unreal that was the, awesome. the, the likelihood is unbelievable like it's more likely that you see a dolphin or a manatee like swimming by in the river than it is to get hit by a foul ball over there like it's it, that's yeah insane insane did you get to keep the ball not only did i
3: keep the ball all right two things first of all I, one, I would have rather seen a manatee. There's not many things that I would have rather done than get hit by a baseball, but seeing a manatee in the river would have been one of the things I would have chose over getting hit by the ball. Um, two, at the time I was kind of going through a phase where like I was collecting baseballs that meant something to me. So I actually was kind of pumped that I got hit by the ball. Cause I was like, this is such a great memory. And I had Austin sign the ball
2: and <laughs> wait.
3: And it still sits on my desk today. Let's go. Yeah, Yeah, still sitting there. It's like next to like a couple of ball players. There's like this one crazy story that I had an experience in Erie, um, with his family that we can or cannot go into. But there, that ball, and then Austin's like there's like five balls on my desk, and one of them is from that night. So
2: one you know of from
0: it? getting dosed by a foul ball. Yeah. Signed by one of the workers of the.
3: Yeah. And got blown. After the game. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, next part this Uber, Austin. So, I don't remember the portion of the night where we couldn't get this Uber. But when we got into this Uber, the guy was a lunatic. I don't know if I've had a more frightening, terrifying, any adjective that you want, Uber experience than the Uber experience from the ballpark back to the hotel. That said, I was 1 billion beers deep. 1 billion. (laughs) So, I could be blowing this slightly out of proportion, but the guy spoke English. We started chatting with him for about 2.2 seconds. I think he probably realized that we were slightly inebriated, if not majorly inebriated and he stopped talking to us. And then we got like freaked out because he like kind of took a wrong turn. And we were like, uh, we were like trying to talk to him. And he just stopped talking to us. Like not, not like, he didn't do anything. He didn't turn on music, nothing. He just like stone cold would not respond to us about anything. And I was like trying to tell him how to get back to the hotel in a place that I don't know where I am in a not sober state of mind. Um, lo and behold, we start getting to the point where we're like, dude, talk to like, literally we're like, talk to us. We're saying this to the driver that we know speaks English. We're like, talk to us. You're like freaking us out. He doesn't talk to us. So I get out of the Uber in my state, and I'm like, this guy's a fucking serial killer. And I'm not kidding you. I called Uber that night, headquarters. And I was like, the Uber driver that we were in was a fucking psychopath. Like, he was not... he should not be driving your cars. And then for like an hour and a half, I was on the phone and they were asking for all these examples. And I was like, why do I need to provide you examples? This guy was not
2: okay. Like, like, what do you like? What do you want me
3: to tell you? Like, he wasn't it wasn't chill. My experience was bad. And they're like, they're like, I don't care that your experience was bad. They're like, give us examples why you thought you were gonna die. And I'm like, I don't need examples.
1: He was going to kill us, dude.
3: Not my not my proudest so, moment. Not my proudest moment, but it was pretty so cool.
1: well, but so here's the thing. And I say this with love in my heart. Welcome to Daytona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's it is it's it's crazy. Uh I haven't had any experiences like that bad, but there there were a few where, yeah, when you get in an Uber in that town, you get out thinking did that person have a driver's license or did they steal that car? Like yeah. that's. <laughs> I, and honestly, like, I mean,
3: we lived in, Hunter and I lived at Erie, Pennsylvania and there is not a, there. it would take days to describe that city. It would take days. It was the craziest place I've ever been in my entire life. Craziest. I'm not like, I've been to cooler places, You know, I've been to like a bunch of different places. It was just crazy. Um, so I get, I get that a hundred percent. And honestly, I never really Ubered cause I lived so close to the ballpark when we were in Erie, but I can imagine that if I had e- Ubered in Erie, I probably would have had a, like a, a similar experience. The one thing about Erie and Uber is that
0: there's only like five Uber drivers in the whole city. <laughs> no, like I remember one time when I got the, literally the same driver, so six straight
3: airport airport trips in a airport like, circle to-
0: dude just an airport circle exactly to the point where like i i saw who was picking me up i was like oh it's tom again awesome and i opened up and he'd be like what's up hunter and be like, hey tom good to see you <laughs> it's, it was kind of wild but yeah there's some there's some wild people i don't know you hear about the stories about uber drivers and and just kind of sketch stuff and i don't know for like for me maybe i'm too naive to it where i'm just like i'm okay like if anything, I have my phone, I can call for help. But like, if something goes sideways, I, you know, especially if you're kind
3: of hammered. And it, that's a, it wasn't, wasn't kind of, and I'm also the person who like, always, like, I always trust people probably too much. Like, I am not someone who gets freaked out basically ever. That said, like, I'm six foot three, 220 pounds. Like, I'm not an easy guy to move. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not super convinced that like, anyone is just going to like, kidnap me without me like, at least trying to whoop their ass. And like, they're not really going to try to like, I don't know. I'm not strong, but i am just big. uh, if someone, if someone wants to kill you, they're going to have to
0: work.
2: They're
3: going to have to work for it. So I think that I've always like, kind of like leaned on the side of like optimism, uh, where people say caution. I'm like, this probably person's probably fine. And I probably would have been similar had I not had 1 billion beers, um, that night. Uh, but yeah, it was wild. It was wild. I actually still, I'm going to pull this up. I actually still have a photo. Fo- I took a photo of the driver on the way out, and i I like so i so I had it for the Uber company. I'm sound like a psycho right here. Let's talk about let's tell a story where I don't sound like a psychopath next.
2: How about It, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was scary I still look back and I stand by the fact that it was scary. I might have overreacted to some extent based on the number of beers that I had it, taken in, but why wouldn't you just fucking talk to us when we were like begging you to talk to us when we know you speak fucking English? Like it was
1: really sus. That's a, that's a scary, like, especially in an unknown town. Like if you're in your own like neck of the woods, like there's a little bit more comfort, but when, when you're looking around and not recognizing what you're driving past, like there's another level of just like innate human discomfort that gets added to the mix yeah did i i i I mean i knew i knew something was wrong when we had to describe to him how to get onto the island where the ballpark is when it's like in the middle of the city uh but yeah dude that's that's next level (laughs) And
3: that's how we felt, bro. That is how we felt. It was wild. I mean, it, and it's like we still—I mean, looking back, like we survived. So you know, we look back and laugh at it. But it was—amen.
1: It was crazy. Amen and amen. We're all alive. We're all safe. But so this hat has yeah, been through a bad. lot.
3: <laughs> Circle back to the hat like 20 minutes ago, like on this long tangent, and that's just <laughs> one of them. This thing has been on way too many of those. <laughs>
1: oh god dude yeah that, uh,
0: that hat was on for that uh the coco's night um the i just i vividly remember that night the coco's night in erie uh i think it, what your friends were in town or it was your sister that was in town sister and my yeah. friend yeah The long island night um that oh. was tough. uh
3: I still have friends, dude. I have friends. I think the second year I had a couple friends. I don't I don't know if you were there anymore, but I had like a couple of my college friends coming in town and they genuinely believe they live in Chicago like downtown Chicago. They genuinely believe that Cocos is the best bar they've ever been to.
0: Cocos is a is a crazy place. Crazy fucking And honestly,
3: I don't know if I would say it was my favorite, but I'm not arguing with them i'll just say that like prices fire you can go there for any experience you want if you want to chill if you want outdoor if you want club if you want like you can go there for any like there were some pros there were some pros it's,
0: it's an ecosystem yeah it's its own ecosystem because they have like they have the outdoor area but they it's like again split up where they have uh the fire pits like and they're fancy ass fire pits they're not like the fancy ones, and you can sit around the tables there, or you can go to the outdoor bar and feel like you're outdoors at a cabana or something, or they have live music outside and you can have your club feel or outdoor just, you know, vibe bar. And then you go inside.
2: And it's like... like
3: Completely different world. <laughs> it's a nightclub that if it wasn't in Erie Pennsylvania, it's where like the NBA players are or like the like all the famous people are going if it's not Erie Pennsylvania.
1: Granted, like, like that, all I the like that. guys
3: are there. So like the famous people of the town, I suppose you would say, like were there, but like it was you could check every single box in one night. You're like, I want to stay chill, fireplace. Then you're like, oh, I want to go to the bar and like socialize a bit. Go to the bar. Then you're like, I want to go listen to some live music. Go hit the live music. And then you're like, it's time to like party my head off nightclub in one place. Never leave. And the drinks are like two fucking dollars. So you're like, it's trouble in a bar. 100%. Dude, you're making me jealous
0: for- right now. For two dollars, and then you've also got that that also familiar feel of your of your shoes just slightly stuck, sticking to the ground, <laughs> just slightly where it's enough to where like you have to put a little bit of effort into walking, and you're like, okay, I'm I'm in a pretty sleazy spot. Like I, I'm in a place that fucks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we spent the first year. I didn't go as quite as much as second year, but the first year, you and I spent a lot of nights there, a lot. Too much time. A lot. Too much And time. every time we go, Hunter, you're like, I'm not going to end up there. I'm not going there. I'm not doing it. And every time.
0: Well, it's because you have the route. You have your fucking route. Yeah. And and it's so easy to, to walk around and drink. Also, Erie doesn't have an open container law. So, like, you'd go from the ballpark or we'd go from our apartment and we'd go to either Tap House, which was the bar right under us, or we'd go to Plymouth if we were at the at the but ballpark. So it was
3: far. That was the only thing. Kind yeah. For Erie, for Erie, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. It's like fucking ten yeah. um, bucks. The,
0: and then at the end of the night, when you're liquored up enough, and you're like, you, "There's that fork in the road every fucking night." And it doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter where you are. Anybody listening to this knows exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. There's a fork in the road where you're feeling good, and you're feeling good enough to where you're like, "I could go home, make some nugs." Turn on Netflix and have a and and call it a great night. Or let's let's keep going. And if you take that left fork and you say let's keep going, that was Coco's, and then it just fucking went way down. Way down,
3: always. Way
0: and it went aggressively
3: downhill. <laughs> I uh, and I just for all the people that do end up listening to this, I just want everyone to know that Hunter and I literally lived straight and one block before our apartments the left was Coco's, So it was, it was a literal fork. Like we had the decision no matter where we walked for every single time we walked home from anywhere, it was a one block decision, bar or home in a fork. Like literally like it was fork in the road is the exact way to describe it. Like you can see the apartment, apartment, but you can also see Coco's like in the peripherals. It was like, which way do I decide to choose
1: one block? dude, hey, is it is it impossible to rent a cot at Coco's? Because honestly, that's where I'm going ten times out of ten, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, I have my friends, my college friends that I brought there. One of them I brought twice, and then the other guys came just once. And they literally say to me, "They're like, let's go back to Erie. Let's like, like let's make a vacation of it." And they, it's the only thing they care about. I mean, Erie had some nice. Like, it was right on the lake. Like you could go out to the beach if you want. Like Lake Beach out of I don't remember what side you were on if a lake can be a beach or not. I know Dan Jones, shout out Jan, Dan Jones. Congratulations on your kid, Jan. Dan Jones, if you listen to this. Um, uh, did not believe that a beach can be a beach. Adamantly. Adamantly, Adamantly. Did not believe that a beach believe. could be on a lake. As a guy who grew up in the state of Michigan that has five of the, the largest lakes in the entire world. Uh, freshwater lakes in the entire world. And also you can only see the horizon and it naturally produces sand. I believe you can be at a beach in the on a lake, but it uh, had a lot to offer, but they want to go back solely, solely for cocoa. I, I would say I would, I would
0: go back, like I would go back to Erie and I would probably make it like, I'd make a trip out of it where I'd want to go to like a, a wolves game and go see some of the old folks there. And and for sure, like I highlight, even though like I, t- I talked a lot of shit on cocoa's mostly because it's the, the way it made me feel the next morning. But I absolutely 100% would be super fucking jazzed to go back and know that, like, I'm, I know I'm going to have a terrible hangover. I know I'm going to spend way, like way too much money,
3: which is. If, easy. You spend too, if you spend too much money, though, that means you're going to feel too, like you can go if you ever, which no one ever does, but if you were to ever go there, if you were ever to go there and be like, I'm having three beers and I'm calling it a night, you're going to walk out of there without spending a $10 bill unless you're generous on your tip. Like that's how cheap it is. But you get in trouble because it's so affordable that you're like, let's buy the entire bar, you know, $2 shots. And then they're like, you are you're ra- you rack up a bill pretty quick. But affordable wise, if you take it easy, you can actually get out of it the- scot-free basically.
0: You're not taking it easy at Coco's though, unfortunately.
3: Not often. Not many of those times. <laughs>
1: Dude, I honestly, this entire conversation is just making me miss like baseball season and that grind of of a homestand, and then being able to release at the end. Oh, dude, is there a better feeling than that? Release ah. with a vengeance, with
0: a vengeance. Oh. <sighs> I got to be honest, and
3: I think, and like, you guys are still, you guys are still doing the baseball thing. And I've obviously segued still in sports, but segued a little bit of a different direction. I think because I don't have the back to back, I have back to backs, but even my back to backs are like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like I never run into a seven, nine, 11 game homestand anymore, which is just like the ultimate grind. And anyone who ever complains at work, I'm like, you can shut the fuck up right now. Um, you don't know what's hard, uh, Tell me when you are picking up fireworks and pouring rain at one a.m. after ten days of working in a row. You know, like then talk to me. Um, but I don't know where I was fucking going with this. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: welcome. Uh, welcome. What were we to talking about? Snapbacks and interviews. What were we talking about? Cocos.
3: Oh, 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 oh yeah. We were talking about the after homestand drink, like binge drinking. I will say that is something I miss. I will also say that in my current life, I pro- in my life when I was with the Seawolves and when I worked for the Tigers prior, I uh, I feel like that became like a pretty r- – like that was a ritual not even on the last game of the homestand. You know, like it was just like basically you get through the summer by just like working and partying a little bit. Like that's like basically the whole summer. You
0: drink considerably more like
2: right. – like
0: Like drink on – the last game of the homestand, no, no matter what. But like, you would go, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but like, it's game one, yeah, seven. You're like, hey, we're going to Cocos, yeah. and it's like, oh boy, like, <laughs> and Hunter's
3: like right there, hesitant, but right behind, like, <laughs> um, <but> yeah. And
2: I'm
0: going up in the fucking
3: Hopefully, one day those stories make it on this podcast. Uh They, <laughs> I, uh. The desk one has to. Make, I'm. We're, we don't have to talk about it right now. You can cut this out of it. I'm fine with you cutting out of it. The desk story at some point Hunter has to make it, and it doesn't have to be right now. When you have Dan or Brendan or somebody else on this. I mean, it was. Really, I think it was just you, me, and Dan. But uh, was Brendan there? Yeah, I think it was just you, me,
0: and Dan. We, it was. It was. It's. That's an incredible story. I don't mind. Like, I really
3: don't fucking mind. Can we, dude? This one is so awesome. I want you to tell it though. Cause like, <laughs> This one, uh, this one is so. This is like one of my favorite. Like you wake up in the morning and you didn't do anything stupid, and then you hear what everyone else did, and you're like, "Cha-ching, cha-ching! It wasn't me. It was everybody else." And I am in heaven. You know what I mean? Like this is awesome. This
0: one, seriously, Nate got off scot free. So it's it was Nate, Dan, and I, and um. We, we I don't know where we were, maybe Plymouth or something like that.
2: Yeah, we were at Plymouth, um, but it
3: was uh, it was twenty five, Austin, twenty five cent beer night. I think, I think, I think that was. The, I mean, I know that was the deal. I think that was the night. I think, um, but twenty five cent, and we're talking about twenty eighteen. We're not talking about nineteen ninety four. We're talking about 2018, 25 twenty five cent. They picked it. Only caveat was they picked the beer for 25 cents a beer. So we go to this bar, and and this
0: was the Plymouth is it was uh one in my top five. Yeah. In uh yeah. I think it was Luke Johnson's episode. Yeah. Um so this is the Plymouth, and we're there and we're just drinking and drinking and drinking. And again, like those 25, and they give you they give you a small cup. Like they give you, it's not a shot, but it's not. It's not a full beer. It's not a full 12 ounce, but it's enough to where you keep drinking them and you're good to go. Um, and we had, so Greg Coleman, who is, who is the team president, had one free Panera bread for a year at a golf tournament.
3: Yes, he did. I forgot about that. Yes, he yes he did.
0: So he had one free, free uh, Panera at a golf tournament. And so every, was it Monday or it was, was it Friday?
3: Friday? No. I thought we could – choose. no, we could choose, but we always chose the last day of the month. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. We chose the last day of the month every every, every month to get free bagels because um, that's when you could redeem it, right? Um, and deal. And, and Coleman put Dan in charge of the ordering and, and the pickup because it was on his way, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, it's the second to last day of the month, and Dan, as we're drinking and drinking and drinking – uh, goes, oh shit! I forgot to get the certificate to call and to bring and pick up bagels. Like fuck, I need to do that tomorrow morning because
3: we're working at you know we're working at eight thirty to the next day, and we're at twenty five cent beer night the night before.
0: <laughs> and, and, and Nate and I are like, dude, you have like you you can't not show up with fuck. We will murder you. you. Like yeah, you're dead. <laughs> and so he goes, okay, all right. Let's stop by the ballpark again. Erie very small. Everything's on one main street, like bar, ballpark, uh, apartment. And so as we walk, as we're walking home, uh, we stop at the ballpark. We stop at the office, and we go in, and uh, and Dan goes and gets the certificate. And then he got sick, and he, like he was like, I I really like he's like I don't feel good. And when Dan drinks, like Dan's a tank.
3: Tank, tank, big, big man. The bubble boy. They like he was the tank. Like literally the guy, the tank. Like of all the tanks in the tank land, Dan Jones was the fucking tank, and he got sick.
0: (laughs) So he's sitting, or sitting in my office, and there's a second desk that Dan's sitting in, and he's sitting in this like swivel chair. He's holding the trash can. And he's sitting head in the trash can. And I'm so sorry to call you out like this, Dan, but it's, it's perspective for the whole story. It's vital it's to the story. He's, he's, he's throwing up and he's throwing up into this trash can, slumped in, in this like swivel chair. And Nate and I are just sitting there. And like, I felt like I was pretty fine. And like, I'm sitting at my desk and like, it's funny. Like Dan's going through this. He just has to get the demons out. And so like like, and he's just kept saying, like, I'm fine, I just gotta get it out, I'm gonna be fine, just give
3: me a second. Nate disappears. No, you gotta talk about the part when I start singing. (laughs) Nate disappears, comes back, and he
0: he has a fucking mini megaphone. Megaphone,
3: yeah. Like like one of those
0: (laughs) electric little megaphones that you use like crowd control. Not a big one, but like a megaphone. And he starts like hammering the siren on it and shit and making noise and like talking in, in, into it and like rooting Dan on <laughs> I went starts, oh yeah
2: <laughs> and then
0: he starts to sing because as he's fucking making all this noise Dan continues to let out the devil and Nate all of a sudden starts going
3: oh my god and then puke he did it again puke and like, he simple. did it in the trash can. He
0: <laughs> singing this song to Oh My God by Usher, and he's, and he's just standing in the doorway with this megaphone pointed right at Dan as Dan's just slumped, going, oh, <laughs> oh my god.
2: <laughs> it, gets better, it gets better, it gets
3: better, it gets better. And poor Dan's just like I'm gonna be okay. I just
0: gotta get it out. I just gotta get it out. And like I don't know, it's midnight, one AM at this point, point. and uh, I'm starting to get I'm you know that drunk where you're like I just have to close my eyes and then like I'll deal with tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm getting like I'm getting to that point real quick. I'm getting real tired, and um, and I'm sitting in that chair, and at this point. I brought Charles to the ballpark every so often and I had a, a dog bed in my office and I had it under my, under my desk. And cause he would, he would sleep under my desk. He would sleep on his on the dog bed. And so there's the bed down there and I don't know how or why, but like, I knew that this was going to take a long time. <laughs> and it was just, he was going through shit. So, I was like, I'm super tired. I just need to close my eyes and just rest because, like, I can feel myself like I'm teetering on being sick and just go to bed and deal with tomorrow. So, I go to lie down. When I wake up, it was one of those wake ups where your eyes jolt open. You know, after a long night of drinking where, like, you can't sleep in, you've drank so much. Like you just can't, like, like you can't sleep in. You're just awake. It's super early in the morning and it's almost like you beat your hangover. Like you beat your hangover awake. So my eyes fly open and I immediately, immediately knew that I was not at home and I wasn't in my bed. So fight or flight goes up and I, and I, I jolt up and I, bang my head i i lean up bang my head I'm like what the fuck and I look i am under my desk at <laughs> under my desk at the office in the dog no bed on, on the dog bed <laughs> on charles's dog bed under my desk at the office on
3: a work day oh, No lights are on. Nate and Dan are gone. Trash can cleaned. The trash can that
0: Dan was using cleaned. Megaphone on my desk. And like barely some stuff coming through the the fucking window. I have never in my life panicked more than I did in a 30-second span. And I was so – like panic and confusion – the worst combination. And I go, what the fuck? And I get my phone. It's like 6 a.m. 6.05.
1: Oh, so yeah. you beat it, beat it, though. When you woke up, you I mean, you beat it if it it's 6 a.m. Gotta get home.
0: And so I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm looking around and still super fucking confused and out of it. And I'm like looking around. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the fucking office <laughs> <laughs> at work still wearing the clothes that we went out to the bar the night before. I'm walking up and down the hall. Cause like I, at, at some point I was like, like, I don't know. It was, it, it was kind of like, you ever seen the walking dead when Rick first wakes up in the pilot and he's like walking around the hospital and just like looking all in the empty rooms and he's trying to get his bearings. That was fucking me in our office. And then I, and then I was like, all right, 6am I'm at the office. Like, I fell asleep here. Like I fell asleep at the office and slept under my
1: desk. Yeah. But real quick, just an interjection following up on our conversation with Anthony from last week. You know, Nate, you can speak to this, but I don't know if you could comfortably fall asleep in a dog bed. You know, you have to be a hashtag short king to be able to comfortably fall asleep in a dog bed. I feel
3: like we have more of this story, but I want to preface it now because it's important to say Dan and I basically beat the living shit out of him to get him out of that dog bed the night before. (laughs) Before we decided to leave. Like it wasn't like this is funny. Let's see what happens to him in the morning. Like we I mean, we lived four blocks from the state. Like we didn't live far. Hunter and I lived across the street. Dan lived a drive away, but we didn't live far like it wasn't it was it was an eight minute walk you know and we tried man we tried to get him out of that dog bed but boy was he down sleeping so so i sit back down at my desk and i sit there
0: and i have a moment of reflection and i go what's the play here <laughs> do i just wait it out and pretend that i got to work super early and just try to pretend that everything is normal like, or what do I do? Like, I, I couldn't think, I couldn't think clearly. And I knew that Greg Coleman showed up, showed up to the office super, early. super early. Like we're supposed to be there at eight 30. He's usually there like seven thirty, If not before. So like, yeah. I'm kind of against the clock. And I had this terrified thought that like, I'm going to walk out of the office and like run into him. Cause there's only one way out. Like there in our office, when it's alarmed and locked up, there's only the one door that I know I can get out. Um, and i was terrified that like i would open that door and as he was as he was coming up to the office like how the fuck do you explain that shit um and so and so i decided i sat there for like 10 more minutes i was like dude you have to go home like you have to you have to go home and i was like all right just in case he runs up like what what do we say like what's the what's the thought process like i started thinking about all these fucking stories and all this shit and uh and i finally was just like you, you just you just make a beeline. As as possible, <laughs> you just make a beeline and you don't stop. It's four blocks. You don't stop till you get home. And so I go. Uh, it was alarmed. Office was alarmed, so I had to unalarm it. Realarm. <laughs> <laughs> I typed in the alarm. I push open the door and I start sprinting. <laughs> in the morning, there are people going to their cars to go to work, and I am sprinting, sprinting down these four blocks to get home. I get into my apartment, I go upstairs, Charles is still there, and he's like, what the fuck? Like,
1: (laughs) where are you coming from? Do you understand what it's taken me to not (laughs) piss all over everything tonight? (laughs) I take I have to, I grab him
0: we go downstairs let him out he pisses shits we go back upstairs it's like I don't know 7:15 by this point I got to be at work at 8:30 I jump into the shower I'm taking a shower I'm desperately trying to sober up because I, I beat my I beat the hangover so I was still drunk I'm desperately desperately trying to sober up I'm throwing up like in the shower like I'm a mess get dressed like eyes are fucking bloodshot sunken in like i'm sweating at, when i came out of the shower I, I i fuck and i'm just like i'm like you just you gotta get it together you gotta pull it together and uh and so i i got dressed and i went to work and i and I got there before 8 30 and i said to myself i was like i am never ever telling anybody this nate and dan are there they comes bounding bounding into my office and he's just like dude what the fuck <laughs> well the best part is and like, I'm like dude, close the fucking door coleman's right down the
3: fucking hallway he can't know that this happened <laughs> and the best part, i mean there's there's two more things i want to add to this story but the best part about it uh the best part about it is that he dan and hunter dan stayed at my place hunter uh, Hunter was at the office and they walked past each other on the other sides of the road and <laughs> and like they obviously didn't see each other but pretty much at the same time and Dan's like what the fuck happened to me I gotta get to my car so I can go home and shower and Hunter's like what the fuck happened to me I gotta get home because I just slept at the fucking office and for the only time basically in my entire life honestly since I started probably consuming alcohol it was the one night where I was like, I wasn't an idiot and everybody else was. And I ate that shit up. Like, I'm not saying, like, I had, I've had moments in my life where I was the idiot and I've had moments in my life where everyone was the idiot, but there are very few moments in my life where I was the only not idiot. And I was, fu- I mean, I was destroyed, but I was the only person that didn't have something crazy happen to them that, that night. And I ate that shit up, up. The only the only one to have sleep in their bed, only one to sleep in their bed. Yeah, I mean that's a big win.
0: That's a victory in and of itself. I couldn't like I I wish I could I, I like I'm as I'm thinking back like I can I can feel that feeling of panic and confusion. Like I've never been more confused. I can say this with absolute confidence. I've never been more confused in my life for those first fifteen seconds when I woke up and when I hit my head. Because I just, I was so, like, I, 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 I can't, I don't know how to explain this. I can't, I, I don't,
3: I, what, uh, it,
0: uh, <laughs> it, it was, like, I can't, I'd never be able to replicate that feeling. It was insane. And I finally fucking told Coleman, actually, I told him at the last promo seminar, I finally told him we were, we were drinking this was like, this was late. We're, we're at, it was in El Paso we're at this bar called Blackbird, which is right down the street from the ballpark. And we're just we're just talking, catching up, chatting or whatever. And uh, and I finally, I, I don't know how it came up, but I finally just said, I was like, you don't know about the time that I slept uh, at the office, right? And he was like, the what? And I fucking told him that story. And he laughed and he laughed and he was just like, what the fuck, man? And I was like, dude, GC, the only thing I was concerned about was like you, finding that or like how the hell I was going to explain that to you he's like I'll be honest I probably would be pretty pissed I was
3: like yeah we know he would have been we know he would have been and that was half of the part of like I gotta get the fuck out of here I gotta have a story uh that's actually hilarious that you ended up telling him I I guess I I never really knew the portion of the story of like whether or not he knew like I I mean I assumed that he didn't but I I'm just trying to think back on it, and I'm like, because after you had like, I was still there for people who don't know. I was there for, I don't know, maybe like, I was there for the for, like for one season beyond when you had left. Uh, and I don't feel like we haven't really like talked. I feel like it was just like that unwritten like this is just not something we speak about. There was a lot of those. I mean, there were obvious like there was a lot of those moments, but I feel like I, I just like didn't even realize that he probably never even knew about. Cause that was like one of the funniest things that's ever fucking happened to me basically i mean it was, it, it, fucking it was
0: hilarious it was absolutely one of those things where it was just like this is a dan nate and me story like to the grave and then i obviously like after a couple years and i'm i was i'd moved on and like and i we i told him at blackbird in el paso and like he thought it was really fucking funny but when he said like yeah i'd be pretty pissed like those feelings came back and it was
3: like, oh shit. <laughs> well, you just know like, and Greg Coleman, if you ever listened to this, shout out. Uh, I feel like you basically made me the employee that I am. We both know that like Greg Coleman's expectations were pretty high. And if you came into a day not feeling too good, like if you were able to perform at your highest level, he probably would not have been that happy. And we knew that. And you and I, I mean, we went out a billion times, but like we knew even if we felt like, the world was ending. Like, you got to put the face on. You got to zoom. Like, it's game time. And then you can go puke, and you can go cry, and you can go sleep for a billion hours whenever that moment is. But until that moment, you better pretend like life is good.
0: And he made you better because of that. And his saying was always, if you're going to hoot with the owls, you better soar with the eagles. And, like, there was... There was times when he was like, you make it as a joke or whatever, because like I, I think it was like when the Cubs won the World Series and they went till like two in the morning, and like I made the like something I was like, hey Coleman, you know, gonna be in a little bit late tomorrow, like this game's going forever, and he like he would respond with like, soar with the Eagles, and like, it was a joke, but he.
3: He kept kind of hurt. It, you're like, dude, I just want to hoot with owls and only who with owls. Like, let me just hoot with owls for one day. And like, I will give Erie, the Seawolves, as an organization, so much props because I think that Erie has one of the tricky I don't know every single ba- minor league baseball team, and I'm not gonna pretend like I do. They have a very challenging predicament where it's like a lot of their um, I, what is the word? I don't want. What's the word when you like are saying like you're not from there? Um,
0: you
1: know, outsiders or different.
3: Not outsider. I, there's a word for it. Anyways, basically everyone they hired hired is not from the city of Erie. I mean, there are a couple, but very few. And that's, that's a testament to a lot of things, but a lot of the people that they hire are not from there and a lot of people it's really challenging to convince somebody not from Erie that Erie is somewhere that you want to find your like make your home forever like that is a huge challenge. So I think one thing that Coleman and that team faces year in and year out is that they get a lot of fresh faces in the industry and I feel like when you have that that culture, You just got to understand like Hunter, you and I are like young bucks fresh into the industry. It was my first full-time job. We are greenies in the industry. And you got to understand like I'm 20, you know, I'm 22 years old in a position too big for my britches, but also like, especially in the first year, like a single dude, like we're going to go to the bars and we're probably going to make poor decisions. But like, I appreciate the fact that he kept us honest, but also understood the fact that like we're idiots still. Like, honestly, looking back, like I was an idiot then compared to what I am. And and that hiring class too was you, me, Brendan,
0: Dan, Yeah, like four guys out of nine of the whole front office, nine guys, four, four brand new, fresh guys trying to make their way in this industry. Finally get like given the opportunity to have more responsibility than they had ever had before. I I worked for three years in Indie ball prior to 16 uh, with, with Myrtle. But, like, that's – there's still the, the, the comparement. Like, yeah, sure, I worked that. But the, the, the level of responsibility that I was given, that Nate was given, that Dan and Brendan were given, like, it's just not something that we had. had, had. Uh, but at the same time, all four of us young, all four of us, like, a lot more spry than we probably are now and wanting to have fun, um, you know, I think it takes a certain kind of leader to kind of corral that a little bit. And I think I give a ton of credit to GC for his ability to not only let, let the reins go a little bit and let us go do that, but also kind of be that authoritative figure that, Hey, you know, I'm going to give you some leash until you don't deserve it anymore. But also I'm going to expect a, like, if you, if I give you this leash, I expect a lot out of you. And it made us better. It certainly made us better. And I, I I'm like I'm on I'm with Nate and I've said it before on this podcast and I'll say it again is I give a ton of credit to those folks in Erie. They absolutely modeled me as to what I am now. I'm not where I am without them. I am very fortunate, very lucky to have been there. I'm grateful for them. I also have a lot of friends from my time there and and I truly enjoyed working for that team uh, despite the difficulties that we had. Um, and, and a lot of that stems from that kind of that culture, and hey, my hat's off to, to Greg, that, him, per, uh Gania, Perillo, like, the guys that have been there, you, you gotta give them some props for that, because they they are, they're grinding, and I hate to use that, that term, it's so cliche, but they fucking grind it
3: out. The city and- of Erie, the people that work for the Erie Seawolves, can be nothing short of described as grinders. Like, that city as a whole, they represent that, and I think that's why they fit so well there, but like, to be in that city for as long as they've been in that city. I mean, you have to be, you have to be a grinder. Like there's just no, there's no way, two ways around it. Right. Like you just have to work your fucking ass off
1: and kudos to them. Um,
3: yeah.
1: It's unique that you need use the word grinder because my understanding is in the state of Pennsylvania, the word grinder has one meaning and it's a sandwich, right? Sandwich, yes, indeed. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, shout out, shout out sandwiches. I've always wanted to go to Permenti's like r- really badly,
3: I think, dude, all if there's any Pennsylvania people on here that are listening to this, they're gonna be fucking pissed at me. I think Permani Bros is a little overrated. I said it. Oh. I said it. I said it. I'm here. I'm standing behind it. I think a few people oh. would support me on that. I think Perman Bros, I had some delicious food in my time in Pennsylvania, between Pittsburgh, between Erie, and I will support a lot of the businesses and things that that state support. I think for Brandy, Bro- for Brandy Bros is a little overrated.
1: Not going to lie. So with that hot take in the back of our minds, we've talked about Cocos, which was a previous entry in our top five series. Luckily, for you, Nate, and for the people of Pennsylvania, I'd think our top five today is not the top five places to get a sandwich because uh, I think that you would probably upset some people. I'd hurt my right? feelings. Yeah. Yeah. feelings, yeah. <laughs> but our top five today is interesting. Uh, it, it seems like they're getting harder and harder for me, uh, honestly, like as we go on week by week to, to narrow these down. Our top five today is our top five favorite athletes. And don't you guys kid yourselves for the entire day when you texted me this
3: for the rest of my work day, I was like doing work and then thinking about like, who do I really, I mean, there's like some staples, right? Like in the top five, there's like, honestly, for me, there's two guys that like off the top of my head, I'm like in any scenario that I mention sports and what it means to me. Two guys are sticking on that list, but the other three, I spent my whole fucking day thinking about straight up. Like, talking (laughs) on a few different guys. Like, that is a tough fucking question, honestly. It really is. Yeah.
1: It's, I mean, it's, it's damn near impossible. And um, Hunter knows this. I tend to find ways to cheat with these top fives. And I often mention like an honorable mention or something. This one, this one was, I, I mean, it was really, really hard. Like, I started thinking about like, all right, who are my favorite teams? Could I narrow down my favorite player over the history of my favorite teams? But then, do I have two players for one team that I like more than my favorite player for the other team? Like it's, it was, it was, it was really hard, like really, really and hard. Team, and team-based
3: first person, it was like a big thing that I dealt with today. Like you got to cover your teams, you got to cover your boys, right? Like across the board. But then if I've spent my whole time talking about the successful Michigan State basketball players in the NBA, I haven't diversified myself at all. Right. Like that that doesn't make me anything. Like you gotta touch a lot of different points. All
1: right. So I mean like this is really tough. Um, but I'm gonna kind of go five to one. Avid listeners know oftentimes with these top five, I, I kind of just have like five in no particular order. This one I'm gonna go five to one. Number five, I have Steve Weatherford, the former New York Giants punter. That's right. I've got an NFL punter on my top five favorite athletes of all time. In 2010, Matt Dodge, a rookie out of ECU, was the Giants punter. He famously punted to Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson picked up the ball off the ground, ran seven yards backwards, and then ran 80-some yards forwards for a touchdown, knocking the Giants out of the playoffs, securing a playoff berth for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Matt Dodge secured himself uh, no more NFL career. Steve Weatherford was signed the next season, in which the Giants won the Super Bowl, and he set a record that has since been broken, but at that time, it was a record for most punts downed inside the 20 in one playoff run. I had to have a jersey custom made because for some odd reason, the NFL shop was not selling punters jerseys, but I have and still wear my Steve Weatherford jersey. So shout out Steve Weatherford. Number four, the single most dominant athlete of my lifetime, maybe of all time, but I feel like I grew up with them. I feel like I was there when they started to burst onto the scene and I'm here now as they're still dominating. Serena Williams. By far the most dominant athlete, right? Like I, I remember when she was still Venus's little sister, like when we were kids and now she is, I mean, like, again, like the, probably the most dominant athlete of all time. Like there, there has been nobody that has influenced their sport, maybe outside of Tiger Woods, uh, like Serena. So I got to argue, I got to argument. Okay. All
2: okay. All right.
3: Let's do the, cause I am actually not a, I am a sports advocate to my like if you said there's one thing in this world that I care about like I don't know if I ca- I don't care about anything besides my girlfriends <laughs> <laughs> who's right behind you. good save good catch. good catch uh in this world besides sports uh I think that Wayne Gretzky is the greatest athlete of all time and I think that Serena Williams is the only competitor and I don't and I'm not a big hockey guy. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I am a huge sports guy, and hockey is not something that I turn on unless it's the Stanley Cup finals, um for the most part. But I it's just of all the people who have all the records in all of the worlds, it feels like Wayne's Gretzky's records are the only ones that aren't
1: beatable. Like he no, his numbers are stupid. You're you're absolutely correct. Like literally, outside of Joe DiMaggio's hit streak, yeah, the most untouchable records are all. Wayne Gretzky, but the in, thing in that blows my sports. the thing that blows my mind is
3: Joe DiMaggio's is a hit streak, which is amazing, and it is probably never breakable. Wayne's Gretzky's is a points like his record yeah. is a points record that is never yeah. breakable. That means that no one in the history of the sport is ever we think is ever going to score as many goals and make as many assists as Wayne Gretzky made in his career, which is absolutely mind blowing because every that is a record that should be broken, in my opinion pretty frequently across all the sports like the score record should always get better because the sport is developing constantly so the fact that his record is basically like the premier record to have is absurd serena williams is the best argument to it because she's fucking unbeatable and she has provided so much so i mean as someone who works in women's sports like I, I, my main again, I talked about it earlier. My main sport is the women's basketball team. Someone who puts such an emphasis on my life in terms of like promoting women's athletics to a fan base, and you've yeah. talked about Duke women's basketball a ton. We haven't talked about it, but I love that you liked it so much because that's something that I spend so much of my time now with. Um, Serena Williams is the the women. In, like the woman yeah. that people aspire to be in terms of sports. So
1: well, kudos. It's, to her. It, you're right. Like I, I I don't know. I, I think I know this off the top of my head to the point where I don't need to look it up. If there are any hockey fans that are listening or anybody that knows to the contrary, please correct me. I'm pretty sure Wayne Gretzky has more assists than any other NHL player has points. Points. So I think you're right. Like, yeah. 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 So like his goals are just on are top obsolete. of the already existing points record that he got just from his assists. I don't, it's, it's insane. So yeah, you're 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 right. You're right. And um, because I'm not a hockey guy, he didn't make my list. But yeah, he's, he's not making my list the most either dominant because
3: he doesn't. He specifically doesn't mean a ton to me. But when we talk the most dominant, which I love talking sports, man. Like the most dominant athletes, I feel like the conversation to, and Tiger's contender. But Tiger's not going to reach that majors that majors number, which is like, how are you going to be considered the most dominant if you can't even be the most dominant in like yeah. the most dominant category?
1: Right? Like Yeah, you're Serena, right. You're right.
3: Wayne Gretzky, the fucking field. Like No one yeah. else is even in the fucking realm of those,
1: you're in right. my opinion. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So shout out the great one. Uh, also shout out Dustin Johnson. Uh, if you know, you know. So Steve Weatherford's my number five. Serena Williams is my number four. Derek Jeter is my number three. Um, I'm not trying to argue that he's the greatest shortstop of all time. I'm not trying to argue that he's You know, whatever, all all these superlatives that a lot of Yankees fans put on him. All I know is that I grew up a Yankees fan because my grandfather was a Yankees fan and he was the captain for my entire childhood and he's a winner. So Derek Jeter made my list. He also is doing pretty incredible things with the Marlins right now. There's nobody that watches baseball that can argue that. The fact that they made the playoffs after their circumstances last year, the fact that he's been able to make the hires that he has, Kim Eng is is certainly part of that. Um, but the signees that he's been able to sign from a player standpoint, uh, he's a pretty remarkable human being. Um, and I think you can ask all of the girls that he hooked up with in New York City that received a very nice gift basket the morning after. Um, and by all accounts, that is not a rumor. That is just fact. So Derek Jeter is my number three. Number two, and this is where I bend the rules a little bit. Number two, my answer is JJ. The problem is that there's two of them. So it's JJ Redick and JJ Watt.
3: <laughs> the two greatest JJs players. of all time are on your two favorite
1: teams. Like, what the fuck is yeah, that, dude? That's dude. Like I JJ Reddick was, was my favorite Duke basketball player growing up. Um, and obviously he was he was loved to be hated. Uh, but I think for the most part, like basketball fans at this point have realized he's a pretty swell guy. Uh, Anybody that listens to his podcast, no free ads, but the old man of the three is, is one of the best podcasts out there right now Um, knows that he's a pretty cerebral guy. He sees the game in a unique way. He sees the world in a unique way. Uh, And then obviously JJ Watt, uh, when the only joke on you is that you work too hard, uh, you're a pretty remarkable person. So shout out former Badger and blue devils uh, JJ Watt and JJ Reddick is my number two. And then number one, Nate, it's funny that you mentioned women's basketball earlier. Uh, My favorite athlete of all time is, in my opinion, the greatest collegiate women's basketball player of all time. It's Elena Beard. Uh, Elena was my babysitter for all four years that she was at Duke. Um, So I actually have like a practice jersey sitting 20 feet from me right now um, of hers. But uh, she, her senior year, was a unanimous player of the year. She won AP Naismith and Wooden player of the year over Diana Taurasi. And for people that don't know that, like within a context of, so UConn women's basketball is the most dominant team uh, of our lifetime, right? Like they, they are the dynasty. Um, And among players like Tina Charles, Maya Moore, Brianna Stewart, uh, Diana Taurasi kind of reigns supreme. Like she was the most dominant basketball player of all time, but her year, her senior year at UConn, she didn't win a single player of the year award. Elena beat her out in all three of the, of the major awards. I'm not saying Tarasi hasn't had a better pro career because she probably has, but what Elena was able to do at Duke, like for people that, that aren't familiar, Cameron Indoor Stadium holds about 6,800 people. That's why Duke men's basketball tickets are so hard to come by is there's only 6,800 of them per game or something like that. And it might be over 8,000. Now they've done some, some renovations, Elena and her recruiting class. And then the the recruiting classes following highlighted by Monique Curry and, and Lindsay Harding and Abby Wainer, they were able to create a sellout atmosphere at Cameron. Uh, the Carolina games were sellouts, Tennessee and UConn came to town. They were sellouts, Georgia Schweitzer, Georgia Schweitzer, sorry, uh, was an Australian, uh, commit that hit a game winner against UConn in Cameron. And I was a ball boy for Duke men's basketball. I've never heard Cameron louder than when Georgia hit that three, uh, to beat UConn. Like it, it was an incredible time to be a Duke basketball fan, um, and she was the first woman to have her her number retired at Duke. So 14 or 15 men had had their numbers retired. Elena's number 20 was the number that went up there uh, on the opposite side of Cameron. She is the reason that I have always worn 20. Like for, for the entirety of my athletic career, it's the number that I choose, it's the number that I go to. Um, so shout out Elena Beard. Yeah, she's my favorite athlete of all time.
3: Nice. I fucking love that, man. And honestly, I had... I had three people in my five slot. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. JJ Watt was one of them. Um, Let's go. JJ Watt was one of them. I, I'm My list, ah, I had two people in my five slot. And this is the issue that I had with making this list in general. And I want to preface this. It's like, I, and I said this earlier, it's so tricky to decide between what they've had an impact on the teams you care about and what they've had for me, an impact on the world. Like, LeBron James was on my contender list. I'm do, I'm cheating. I'm pulling a fucking Austin here. I'm cheating a little bit. LeBron James <laughs> was on my honorable mention because I watched the game in the bubble, right? And I think this is important to talk about. LeBron James played the fucking game and he balled his fucking face off. And then he comes off of the court and like this is in the middle of the summer. He comes off the court. This isn't a finals game. And they say, hey, like, what do you have to say about the social injustice in this country? And LeBron James delivers one of the most intelligent thought out responses that I I couldn't even have came up with it. I truly believe that. And he came up with it after 40 minutes of playing a basketball game with everything on the fucking line. And I thought, and I stepped back and I said, LeBron James prepared that. So every person on this court today went to this basketball game and was like, I got to figure out how to stop LeBron James. And LeBron James went to the court today and said, I got a fucking ball on all these guys' faces, and then I have to deliver, deliver something after the game that is going to mean something to the world. And that moment blew my fucking mind, that he dropped that after a game, that he had that ready after a fucking game, LeBron James gets paid forty million dollars, not because LeBron James is the best basketball player in the world, which I believe. Le- LeBron James got paid forty million gets paid more forty million dollars because LeBron James has to be the best player in the world, and he has to be a speaker on so much more. He has to be so much more than a basketball player. That forty million dollars, in my opinion, is not. I think athletes in a whole the payment thing is a reasonable argument they make a ton of money but lebron james the faces of athletics as a whole are worthy of far more than 40 million dollars i think it's important to say that was one of the most impactful things i've ever seen in my entire life like the fact that he did that after that was massive to me
1: i i just have to really quickly interject and say that i've never been more embarrassed in my life to include an nfl punter on my list of top 5 favorite athletes and not lebron james Because I have lived and died with LeBron for his entire career, and it's too late. I've already given my top five. This is just me saying that I'm embarrassed and thanking you for making that statement. Uh, And I'm just going to, like, He's not on my top five.
3: He's in my honorable mention.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, listen, at at least it was said. Yeah. Right. It's important to say. yeah, the most dominant basketball player of all time, and also arguably the most important social figure that athletics has seen since Muhammad Ali. I'm glad that you said it. So I appreciate you saying that. And I also, just to reiterate, am embarrassed. Still shout out Steve Weatherford, but you should have not been on my list. And that's that.
3: And I'm gonna now I'm gonna start my list and I'm gonna say that all the people on my list. So as a Detroit sports fan, we haven't even talked about our fandom as a whole. <laughs> as a Detroit sports fan. Detroit is not made on superstars. Detroit as a city is not made on the glitz and the glamour. We've basically never had a name that wasn't built in the city of Detroit, right? Like people don't come to Detroit and already have a name for themselves. They either got it here or they're not here at all. So I think in my list, I really prioritize people who, um, like really emulate the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan in the sense that they fucking worked for everything they fucking got. Um, They aren't the glisten, the glamor. They are the nitty gritty. They are the, the dirty, like, like they're the dirty fucking. I mean, think about like the bad boys, right? Like the bad boys are the Detroit era. The Pistons of 04 are like the five guys. They were five all stars, but they weren't superstars. Like nothing in Detroit is about superstars. Nothing about Detroit is LeBron James. So that is why he was omitted on my list. But I thought him and JJ Watt were important to talk about because of their significance on the world as a whole. Um, my list. Number five, Naz Hillman. She's a current women's basketball player at the University of Michigan. Um, I think she's important to note, and I shout out to Naz. Um, She started when I got there, so she's a junior right now. This is season three for me with the women's basketball team. And she is everything a fan experience, an employee of the University of Michigan, and a fan of the University of Michigan could ever want out of a women's basketball player. She's the person that stays late to talk to people. She's the person that picks up water ball- bottles for her teammates at video shoots. She's the person that says thank you after every interview you ever do with her, even if she doesn't want to do it, and she still balls her fucking ass off on the court. She's a preseason contender for all... Uh, all She's like an all-American watch list player. Like She's a badass on the court, but... More than anything, I love watching her play the sport of basketball, but I love just interacting with her way more because she is just everything that you could possibly want from a student athlete, from an athlete in general. Like, if every person was Nas Hillman working with them, our job basically wouldn't even be a job because we would not have any like adversity. Like, if everyone was Nas Hillman, our job would be fine. God, that's awesome. So, Nas Hillman, shout out. She's not somebody that probably, honestly, unless any of my coworkers watch this, you know. She's probably not any, one that anyone will know, but Nas Hillman is the epitome epitome of what a student athlete and an athlete should be. So kudos to her; she earned my five spot.
1: That's awesome.
3: Um, Jake Rogers is a Seawolf. Um, he is has he's made some appearances in the Tigers, um, but hasn't created a, a real role yet. He was the third guy. He was on the alternate camp team this year for the Tigers and the Tigers are not super good. So I'm not sure (laughs) what Jake Rogers major league experience is going to end up being, but, and we'll go into this super quick. I know this, this is going to take forever if I talk about it, but Jake Rogers um, there was a guy who had a heart, uh, a heart surgery. His name was Nico at Seawolves. My second year, he came up, he did the um, the junior PA and he knew every single guy on the team. I didn't even need to talk about it with him. And I was like, dude, this kid is a Seawolf super fan. I didn't even know that at that time he was having some heart problems. We ended up making him the 26th man for a game. Jake Rogers was his favorite player. Jake and I went over to his house and like really like we kind of became family. Him, J- Jake, that family, and myself. Um, incredible guy. He's got a bazooka for, for an arm. He's To get to the major leagues, he's got to figure out how to get – up his average, like he's a pretty boomer bust hitter. He's a lot of strikeouts, a lot of home runs, um, but he's got an absolute bazooka for an arm. So he's fun to watch. Um, but just for what the impact that him and I combined made on that family was like one of the most touching moments. It's another one of my baseballs on my, uh, on my desk right now. That was like, I would say that was my favorite moment of working in sports, if not one top three. So Jake Rogers, just for that, shout out to you. The three, the next three are like purely fandom. Like we're getting into like just like the people I fucking love. Um, Cassius Winston, number three. Yep. Um, yep. He means so much. I, he he doesn't. He means so much to everyone who loves Michigan State basketball more than he'll ever know. When his and this Hunter specifically, I don't know how much you're into college basketball, but like Cassius Winston's brother committed suicide the day before the home opener last season. Uh, His younger brother, his younger brother, um, he knew he had mental health issues. Um, He knew that like it was a daily battle, a daily struggle for him. Mental health is something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, And he went out there and played and they did a tribute to him he went and put up 20, the next day, literally the next day is the homeowner and we're playing Western. Like it's not a game that we need Cassius Winston for. And he said like my brother smoothie would have never wanted me to do anything else. He bawled, And then he came out and he had like this emotional speech after the game where he was like crying. He was like, I know you're in a better place. I know every day was a fight for you. And like, I'm never going to be, I'm mad at you for leaving us, but I'm never going to be truly mad because I know like, he he just handled it with such poise, like beautiful, beautiful, romantic poise for someone who's 21 years old in a situation that no one would worse, wish on their worst enemy. And when he overcame that, along with being the best player that Michigan State has seen in a long time, Magic Johnson shout out. Like, it's hard to say he's not better than Magic. Like, that's Magic's, you know, goat tier. But uh He's been one of the best basketball players that's ever played at Michigan state. And for him to do that and handle himself like that for all of us was like, this isn't just a fucking bad. This isn't a great basketball player. This is a fucking good ass human. Um, A good ass human. That is impossible not to root for. I even talked to my Michigan friends. I mean, I work with all of them and like you hate Michigan. You hate Cassius Winston because he destroyed you. But if you tell me you hate Cassius Winston as a human, you can go fuck yourself. In my opinion, like truly, like that's that's how important. Like th- it's bullshit. Like if you don't like him as a human, I you're full of shit. Like you don't have a good reason. Um, so Cassius Winston number three. Um, shout out to him. Blake Griffin is number two. Um, Blake Griffin is the only guy that doesn't fit my mold on this list because Blake Griffin is the celebrity that came to Detroit, the only celebrity that came to Detroit. Say it. I remember when Blake Griffin got traded to
0: Detroit and Nate was on cloud nine for months. 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 Phone background. Phone background. Genuinely, like, joy because of this man yeah genuine way and like he and 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 nate loves his detroit sports loves them um but just like it was like hope was restored and like
3: phone like he was not kidding phone background like it's a picture of blake griffin my phone background (laughs) not even like a basketball shot like a blake griffin like model shot dude was like my background on my phone like i was lit about it um blake griffin provided something to the city man that like I live in downtown right now. um, And Blake Griffin provided something in the city that I've never felt as a fan. Um, I guess when we acquired Miguel Cabrera to some extent, but Miguel Cabrera was such an unknown at the time. Like he was, he was a superstar instantly and he won a world series prior, but uh, it still didn't feel the same. Right. Like, when Blake Griffin came to town, like he's on fucking state farm, national commercials. Like Kia was sponsoring Blake Griffin. Detroit doesn't have those people. Chauncey Bill, Ben Wallace, like those dudes were fucking badasses, but they were not on national commercials. And it was the first time that that had came to the city of Detroit. And I, among all, like I like still, every time he does a press conference, anything like that, like I tune in because I just like, really respect what he has to say. And like the Pistons aren't good by any means. And he's still on the team and he's working out the young guys, like trying to make them better. Like he's, he's too good for us almost like he's, he's more, you know, he's just, he's too good. So Blake Griffin, I I have a Blake Griffin signed hat that I almost wore tonight. Like that was one of the ones that was in the contention for things that I should wear because of how much he means to me, but I've never worn that hat before. And it felt phony to wear it. Like, you know, first time wearing it would be uh tonight. So Blake Griffin I would have today. accepted
1: it
2: though.
3: And Hunter, you know that we've talked about this one before. My number one, which is a wild card. All these other well, now I have a pretty unique list. No one else has got this top five, but uh my number one, which is a wild card, is Placido Polanco. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. You love that fucker. I vouch for this yeah. one. That's I'm glad I'm glad he's your number one. Fuck yeah.
3: Placido Polanco is my favorite athlete of all time. Um, because he emulates everything that I root for. And like I said it a million times, like I root for good people. I root for hard workers. I root for the underdog. Like every 10 out of 10 times I'm rooting for the underdog, and I guess unless it's my fucking team. Like that's the only way I'm not rooting for the guy that's like up against the wall, right? And Placido Planco is just, like, a fucking little dude. Like, he doesn't hit home runs at all. Like, in this day, I don't even know. I mean, Placido Planco is not that old in terms of, like, the game of baseball. But I'm not even sure he fits into today's game because he hit, like, two home runs a year. Like, he was the modern-day um, – like Jared Dyson in terms of like no flash. I mean, Jared Dyson stole bases. Like for God's sakes, Placido Soponko didn't even fucking steal bases. Like he just did the little things fucking right. He emulated everything that the city of Detroit was. He was in my peak of fandom in terms of like growing up, falling in love with sports. Placido Planco was there in the 06. He was there in the fucking two that he's just was always fucking there. And he was always fucking steady. Like, No errors, three hundred batting average, and then I was fortunate enough to meet him um, in my my internship with the Tigers the year before I went to Erie because we were uh, represent we were honoring the 2006 uh, World Series team, and I actually got to meet to him meet him, and with our conversations, like same thing was like everything that I believed before I met him felt the same after I met him, and like. That was just a fucking rap, dude. Like Placido Polanco for me was the fucking guy, like the guy. So unique as fuck. Like I, I, I mean, unless you're a big baseball fan, you probably don't even know who that dude is. Straight up. Like I hope, I
0: hope, I hope people go and and, uh, and Google him if you don't know who he is. Google him. And I want you to also go onto YouTube and look up look up Maglio Rodonias' home run off Houston Street. In 2000, what's that? 2006? ALCS 2006. Going to the, it sends the Tigers to the World Series, but watch that and watch the guy who's on second base. That's Placido Polanco. And there is, you will never see a more, uh, uh, you will never see joy personified the way that you do Placido Polanco. This man. Was transported back to Little League that night on that home run, and it is it is a joy. Even if you don't like the Tigers or know who Placido Polanco is, if you were a fan of athletes playing because of uh, for love Love of of the game, game, yeah, that's That's it. it. That rounding the bases in just pure jubilation is one of my favorite videos of
3: all time. Of
2: Of all time. Of all time.
3: Of all time. As a Detroit fan, let me just tell you. I can watch that video a billion times and the Maglio home run is fantastic. To me, again, Placido Planco is my number one guy on my entire fucking list. I, My smile, like saying smile ear to ear, like doesn't even emulate how much that video just like creates pure joy, man. Like Placido Planco in that moment was just beauty, right? Like that was just the game at its purest form, what it means to these people and how much they fucking love it. And Placido Planco played like that every fucking day. Don't kid yourself when you don't think that he wasn't celebrating that home run basically like he celebrated the home run on game fucking 81 out of 162. Like, he fucking loved the game of baseball. And he fucking showed it, and we – I mean, it makes my fucking heart melt, dude. Like, it is fucking pure beauty. Placido Planco, the GOAT. Look him up. Also, the choke up, dude, the choke up. No one fucking chokes up on a bat anymore. Damn near. And Placido planco's up here, like, damn near grabbing the fucking barrel of the bat, dude. Like, swinging it around. Like, just choose a shorter bat, bro. Like, he's, like, way up there. It was sick, dude. Yeah. Placido Planco's I love
1: that. That's a, that's a really good list. Shout out LeBron
3: again. <laughs> Shout out LeBron, dude. He means a lot. I Yeah, I tossed around a few of those people that just, like, have a bigger impact than sports, you know? Like. That, that means a lot to me I, I think that like especially right now sports have such a fucking platform more than a lot of people in term, especially in terms of like voices that people respect um, I think that like athletes are really starting to use our platform to fucking speak their mind and kudos to them whether I believe w- whether I agree or disagree with what they say like you have the fucking platform yep. use it use it yep. cuz people idolize you guys people listen to you guys and like yep. you mean to us i mean listen to my list man like everyone who means something to me is my fucking list so like they yep. they have embraced it recently and it means a lot to a lot of us so kudos yep. to them yeah yeah it's uh
0: it's going to be damn near impossible to follow follow that up because i went the i was telling austin like it's it this was hard for me because i i didn't know which route i wanted to go like the sentimental like what's what like More than sports, or straight up, this was fandom for me, and I tried to do both, but I I did definitely lean more towards like me just as a fan.
3: What number Uh, is Mike Trout on the list?
2: Mike Trout not on the list.
3: (laughs) Not
0: on the list. list. I am
2: honestly Uh, stunned. I'm stunned. Mike Trout is 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 Tim Salmon on the list? Yes,
3: one.
0: Well, let me go through my list, and then you might find out. Um, so number five going with, uh, with Jenny Finch. Wow. Um, growing up, I have very vivid memories of watching those U S national teams play and they were juggernauts. They were rock stars and they were so good. Like they just beat up on everybody. And then it was always them and the Japan team okay, yeah. and, they duked it out. And Jenny Finch was one of those one of those rock stars where she went out there and just dominated. There's that great video of when she pitches to the big leaguers. She pitches to Bond's pool host and she's just blowing, blowing them away, dude. Not even like they're fouling shit, like blowing away. And you've got these these studs of the game just shaking their heads and laughing because they, they're like, I can't touch that. I thought that was fucking awesome. Um I I really liked watching softball too growing up. Um, And a lot of it had to do with the dominance of Jenny Finch dominance of team USA. Uh, I mean, there's, there's players on that team, like the, like the crystal Bustos of the world DH, she just hit bombs, Kat Osterman, Monica Abbott. I mean, Natasha players that like aren't household names, but, but generational talents, generational talents. And and especially too, for like, for me growing up at, at that point in time, you know, women's sports wasn't, that big like it it, like women's sports still has a like we need to do a lot more to elevate women's sports it is coming it is coming over the last few years and it's great to see but growing up we weren't anywhere near that and so for these like a jenny finch to capture my attention as you know a a kid who played baseball and predominantly watched baseball basketball football men's sports growing up as, as a as a young as a young child um, it says a lot because it it, it really uh, it, it showed me how fucking cool that game was. And it was never like, oh, it's women. It was just like, these are fucking superstars. They're they're like rock stars because they're dominating on the world stage. So I love that. Um, so Jenny Finch is number five. Also, I just think what she continues to do for not only um, softball, but for baseball as well. And she's really taken that role and, and kind of paved the way um, for players like the Monica Abbotts of the world. And... Uh, the Cat Ostromans who are still playing. She kind of led that, led that. Can
3: I jump in real quick? And I don't want to interrupt and that you can cut this out if you want, but I want, I think it's important to say, first of all, how cool of all three of us to include a female athlete in our top five, like kudos to both of you guys, like that you pre-wrote this list and both of you guys thought a female athlete had such an impactful, you know, moment in your life. Like, I think that it, that should not go unnoticed. Like, female women athletics right now is like, I feel so passionately about it. And I feel such tremendous um, hope that it's going to grow so much more. Um, so kudos to both of you for also including a women's athlete because that is fucking awesome. Second of all, I think, and this is a little while because it's not the most popular right now. I actually think that softball has the most potential of women's athletics women's sports specifically women's soccer is tricky because they're so high right now like the women's soccer team unit the national team is just so fucking good that like obviously it's and like again tennis like serena is so popular um in my opinion and i'm not everybody i think that softball is a excellent support. I actually think as a sport, baseball should take some notes because I think their level of in- entertainment with the shorter out, the shorter outfields, with the shorter innings, with the higher speed of play, the shorter bags, like there is so much intensity in every single play that I actually even think that baseball lacks a little bit as a guy who loves baseball. Softball is a great sport that people need to start getting behind.
0: I would argue that softball for us growing up in the late 90s early 2000s softball at the national level the u.s team is what the u.s women's national team in soccer is now for the generation and and i and it, it is a fucking shame that the olympics cut softball and baseball because that was something that i look forward to every i look forward to that more than i did baseball in the olympics I, sure. because i Softball field were so fucking dominant and they were so good. We hosted uh NPF softball in Myrtle Beach a couple years ago. And I, I'm, I we the stadium was packed. It was fucking packed. It, the stadium was rocking. The atmosphere was unreal. The and the talent there was it seeing it up close like that, it was so cool. I just got to see Monica Abbott pitch. And and I I remember there's like some folks that were just like, oh, you know. Everything they heard from Monica Abbott was like, oh, she's just she's this old pitcher from uh, the U.S. national team uh, back in the day. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like her, Kat Osterman, Ginny Finch, like rock stars, Hall of Fame pitchers. And fuck, Kat Osterman's back in the game now. Yeah. She's fucking out of retirement. Um, and and Monica Abbott goes out there and is just fucking like seeing her up close and seeing what she did, it was it was so impressive and so fucking cool. And, and I, I really I hope um, I hope more people take uh, like you said, take take notice because softball is, is such a cool it's such a cool sport and, and the talent level that the United States puts out. Um, And then on the national stage as well with other countries is is phenomenal. And
3: as baseball Um, fans, man, like if you're not a baseball fan, I think the biggest appeal for softball is like a lot of people are deterred from baseball because of pace of play, right? Like it's some people be softball is fucking fast. So if you're, if you're hesitant on baseball because of pace of play, I encourage you to go watch a softball game, whether it be collegiate world. Let's tune into the college world series next year and just watch a game
0: the softball
3: series
1: is so fucking awesome. Tune in. So-
3: yeah, tune in cuz you're going to you're going to fucking like that shit because it is fast fucking paced.
1: We we hosted an entire season. We hosted, we were the home field for the Beijing Shogun Eagles of the MPF 2 years ago. Uh the first perfect game of the season was 1 hour 18 minutes. That yeah. was game time. Just to speak to that. So, anyway, sorry Hunter, go ahead. Yeah, we're No, no. I know. I, I, I can I call fucking, this
3: out if you want. <laughs>
1: No, it was, that was fucking great because it's important to say. And also, yeah, like especially if pace of play is your issue, softball is one hundred percent the answer because it's all of the strategy and all of the action, just none of the bullshit.
3: None of them. it's fucking it's fucking
0: outrageous. By the way, while we're on the topic of college softball, shout out uh, Haley Cruz out in Oregon. Fucking changing the game, and she's really fucking doing it in a way. Not only is she talented as fuck, the girl can fucking ball. She is a baller. um and uh, an incredible young woman, but also taking the uh, the personal branding type of stuff and really kind of that, that new age of personal branding, athlete driven content. She is she's crushing it.
3: Um, Oregon man, between her and Sabrina, like could you have hit a fucking oh, bigger fuck, jack, man. jackpot? Oh like, yeah, Oregon's out here. Like, I mean, I know you're a USC guy, and like, I don't. To be honest, I don't give a fuck about Oregon as a as a fucking school at all. But like, could you? Could you have crushed harder in the fucking women's sport world than hitting those two basically fucking back to back? Like my god, they literally fucking crushed.
0: crushed. And they're getting Haley Cruz back uh, next year. She's going yep. back for one more year, which is awesome. Um, all right, number four. Number four is Troy Polamalu. Who he is? Uh, he's my favorite Steeler of all time. He also went to USC. Um, I and this was purely just that was my guy growing up. Like that was my guy on the Steelers. Obviously went to USC like the stuff about the hair, like fine. But I love the way that he, he played with reckless abandon, but it was smart. He was just, he was just smart. And I, cause I think growing up too, one of the things like that's tough to remember when you're, when you're younger and just watching football, it's not just guys hitting each other. Like there's 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 some intellect behind it, and Troy Palomalu encompassed that. He was just a smart fucking player. Um and 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 for that, I I just kind of fell in love with with his style of play. Um just went out there, wasn't flashy, didn't you never heard about him really in the media. He was just a good teammate, did whatever he had to do to, to win the game or help 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 the team win. Um so Troy Palomalu, he was still have his jersey. Um I got that jersey. Fuck. When I could fit in small jerseys, so I can't wear that anymore. So it's just it's just a jersey that I have now. Um, <laughs> number three, uh, number three, Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kobe, uh, we talked about it, um, I think, way back when Austin in one of the first uh, first episodes. But uh, I mean, Kobe was LA, and and I don't think that there's many athletes like that in any city who you can call them, like every city has that guy, right? And, and Kobe certainly was, um, and there's not many of them. Uh, that, was, that was my childhood growing up. He meant more to that city and, the, and the Southern California than I think uh, the majority of, of athletes. When you talk about the Mount Rushmore of, of athletes in Southern California, he's absolutely on there. Um, and, and also what he did, uh, what he did post career. And, and and the, the, the mama mentality. And I know some people scoff at that and roll their eyes and, and I've been one to say, like, I think the grinder mentality is kind of an overrated thing. Like I've, I've said it, I still believe in it, but, but when, with Kobe did, uh, I I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, I'm in the gym and at 17 hours a day, which he did, but it was more that mentality that he had of, you always have to get better. You can always get better. Don't settle. Always be curious. Ask questions. Learn about other stuff. I mean, at the end of his career, he was talking about how he, how he liked to read. And he liked to read about poetry, and he wanted to learn about uh, making movies and making, uh, making stories and stuff. And and I think that, that that's what the mama mentality is. It's not. It doesn't mean you know, wake up four a.m. Go go for a run. Then go to the gym. Then meditate. Then go for another run. Then go to the gym again. Then go play. Like that's not what that means. What what it means is to not settle. To to be curious, to try to make yourself better every, every day, no matter what, do the best that you can and, and, and work and work at it. And, and it's a lesson everyone can learn. I certainly can. And, um, you know, sometimes I find myself getting complacent on things and, and, uh, and that helps. It, it certainly does. And it's, it's that, um, it's just, again, what he meant to, to so many people. Um, and, uh, I said it in that I said it in episode three or two or one or whatever, um, but he might have been one of the hardest celebrity deaths that's ever hit me. And I don't say that often. There's a I know there's a couple I can say off the top of my head that that kind of that kind of messed me up, but Kobe really hit hard. And um and I know there's some people out there that are like, well, what are you getting sad about somebody you didn't even meet? But fuck you, fuck off with that. Because that that that's a real thing. People that you don't know that still make an impact to you. That really is is the legacy that they leave. So Kobe Bryant's number three people don't care Uh, about
3: let me just jump in real quick. People don't care about sports. Like you obviously aren't gonna meet these people. And if you get the pleasure of meeting these people, you are one of a million. Like, you know what I mean? Like there are way there are a billion fucking Kobe Bryant fans in this world. Not many of them meet Kobe Bryant, but Kobe Bryant meant so much to so many fucking people. Like people that Mm -hmm. say you didn't get to meet him and he meant a lot of your life is bullshit. Is like fuck that dude like people these people like we care about sports because of how much these people mean in our lives regardless of whether or not we get to meet them if we get to meet them that's a fucking luxury but like the fact that you like that's bullshit yeah that's bullshit man like those people mean a lot to you regardless if you get to meet them or not
0: absolutely and, and honestly I'm looking at now I'm looking at this list Kobe probably should be number two um, but number two for me is Vladimir Guerrero oh um, And, and, you know, I thought about this a little bit and, and Lottie only played five years for the angels. Um, but arguably maybe some of the best five years of of his career, he won an MVP. He, 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 he not only electrified the, the fans and was a, a non superstar superstar, but I think he symbolized the turn for the organization. Um, which is hard to do, and that's that's a tough that's a tough task to be to be asked to to do. Um, and, and and just something about the way Vlad played. I mean, he just he was a rock star without a, being a rock star. You know, he didn't he spoke English, but he wasn't comfortable enough and wanted to speak Spanish, didn't say much, but he always smiled, he always laughed. He always he loved the game. Um, you know, you hear about the stories about his mom cooking for for the, the home teams in the clubhouse. I mean, I, I think that goes to show that, you know, he he really knew how lucky he was to be playing the game and to have the career that he did and and to have the talent that, that you know, he says, you know, God bless me with this talent. And and it, it's very Roberto Clemente in that way. Uh, you know, and 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 on top of that, the guy the guy elevated that organization. Just by them signing him, by him coming to that team, he elevated that organization to a level that it had never been. Um, and I and I that there's a, there's a lot of angel fans who have a lot of happy memories because of Vladimir Guerrero. Um, and, and I'm certainly one of them. I tried to hit like him. I remember in little, like, I, I, like I would try to do the bat, the bat wiggle. I, I threw away my batting gloves realized very quickly. I'm not Vladimir Guerrero. Um, <laughs> but you know, he, just the way he played and, and, uh, I never get tired of, uh, of seeing his highlights. I, I love the fact that he's, he's a hall of famer, but you wouldn't even know it. Um, you know, he he's just uh, he's one of those guys that I feel like if I met, um, like I wouldn't really have much to say other than thank you. And like all he would do is just look at me and like smile and like that would be it. But it would be like, oh, fuck. Um, I'm dead.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so just, just fucking awesome. Um, and then number one, obviously, you guys mentioned it, Tim Sandler. Um, childhood hero, uh, childhood hero. He's the reason why I wanted to play right field and little league who the fuck wants to play right field and little league. Like they put the fucking loser kids out in right field. And maybe I was the sucky shitty kid, but I wanted to play right field. Cause I wanted to be like Tim salmon. Um, he, he just, he was Mr. Angel. He never heard about him in the press doing anything bad. You know, he just went out and did his job and just represented the team the right way. Um, and uh, a quiet superstar before, the Angels had superstars and I know they had guys like Reggie Jackson and stuff, but in like my lifetime in the nineties, that those, the teams were bad. We had good players, but they weren't like superstars, right? Like the Garrett Andersons of the world and the, and the uh, Troy glosses of the world, like they weren't really superstars. And, and, and Tim Salmon kind of was that before we knew what superstars were. And then obviously as Vladimir Guerrero and blah, 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 all those, all these big name agents came into, uh, into the, the team. But, um, yeah, Tim Salmon just also reminds me of my childhood. That's my guy forever and ever. That that's my guy. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember I, I fucking I cried in his last game. I'll never forget his last game. My mom took me. Uh, she surprised me and got tickets behind home plate. Um, and we got to what we watched his last game. It was in 2005. Uh, he popped up. That was his last at bat popped up foul ground, made the out, but, um, there was a lot of people crying in that stadium. And, uh, it was, it was really cool because like that was the first real hero that I got to say goodbye to. And, uh, you know, I think you guys might relate to this as we get older and we see these guys hit hall of fame ballots in any of these sports that get inducted and you go, Holy shit. Like that's my childhood. Uh, and, and he certainly was kind of the, the first, for, for of that for me and uh uh you know I, I don't know if you don't like sports i get it it sounds hokey but i think um for the people that that do follow sports and, and love their teams or love players you know they 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 get the feeling that i'm trying to describe
3: right do you did tim salmon i and i wish i knew this but has did he make the hall of fame or no
0: no he he was off on this first uh the first try and
3: i like that better hunter to be honest with you i this is my thing and that's why Placido Polanco is my fucking guy too is because Tim Salmon what he means to the Angels fan base is far more than any other casual baseball fan could ever fucking understand and the fact and the fact that you even know who Placido Polanco is like truly I don't Austin, like I don't know what you're familiar with like Placido Polanco is but like those guys are like guys that you run into and you're like, Ooh, this guy's better, but I don't know much about him. Right. And then they come into town and they fucking kick your fucking ass. And you're like, who was that (laughs) fucking cat that I have? Shout out Lou Johnson cat. He always said that. I heard it. Who was that fucking cat that came into town and just like fucking what my ass all weekend. Um, I think that that's like my thing is like, you can pick the easy guys, but like, the guys that have changed your experience on fucking sports as a whole are obviously the top at the fucking like they're the top of the list, right? Like, yeah, it's not yeah. it's not about to be in a hall of famer. Like a hall of famer is great. We all had hall of famers on our list, but at the end of the day, like our number ones are people who transformed our lives as sports figures, and none of them. Beard, I don't, I don't know if Beard is in like the the collegiate hall of fame, but in my opinion, none of them are like. Big name commodities in terms of
0: yeah.
2: like
3: general yeah. fans,
0: and and I, that's what, when you were saying about like Tim Salmon or uh, Mike Trout, both of you guys were like, "Oh, Mike Trout's on your list." Like, I think it has exactly what you just said, Nate. It's like I I realize what I'm watching. In Tim, Salmon. I cannot wait to tell somebody else's kids or grandkids that I got to see our Mickey Mantle or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like we we are in the presence of greatness, um, but. I don't feel the same, I feel like I won't feel the same way that I felt watching Tim Salmon because what he captures is so much more pure and almost there's an innocence there that you cannot replicate because like you said, Nate, he's just your guy because that's, that's you, you see yourself in him for whatever it is, for whatever reason, there's a piece of your childhood, there's a piece of you in that player and he yep. does it to be the best. But it's your guy. Not many people yeah.
3: resonate with the superstar. Not many people resonate with the fucking superstar, right? Like the superstar yeah. can be awesome. Like LeBron James was one of my fucking contenders. But Le- LeBron James didn't fucking sniff my number one spot. Like the number one spot is for somebody who was your, who emulated everything you fucking believe in as a yeah. fucking human and as someone walking down the street. And like Placido Blanco was that for me. And Beard was that for you, Austin. And fucking
1: yeah.
3: uh, Salmon was that for you, Hunter. Like Those people are, unless you're a fucking Angels or a Tigers or a Duke women's basketball fan, that name's not even on the fucking radar. Yeah. At the end of the day, those are the people that we as major, top 5% sports fans in the world, like, I would argue, like, we fucking chose to work in sports agreed. for the people that changed our fucking life. And none
1: of them agreed.
3: None of them were LeBron James number one. Like, it, LeBron James is on the list. Kobe Bryant's on the list. Serena Williams is on the list. But at the end of the day, like, it was the guys who emulated what you guys fucking believe in. Yep. And those are the fucking people that are number one on our list, which is
1: cool. Spock. Yep. Amen. Amen. And. Great segue. We made it almost three hours, Hunter, but I finally said the word segue. Great segue. Uh, We hope that the next generation of great podcasters is listening to this (laughs) and that they list us, Snapbacks (laughs) and Interbrews, as the number one in their heart. We're not pretending to be the greatest. We're not claiming to be the greatest, but we do want to resonate the most with you. And we cannot thank tonight's guest, Nathan Brecht, Formerly of the Erie Seawolves, tremendous stories from your time in Erie, currently with the University of Michigan Athletics. Uh, I won't say go blue because I don't know if any of the three of us truly agree with that statement, but uh, we cannot thank you enough, sir. Uh, Before we go, if you would like to plug your socials, if you've got anything else going on in your life, let the people know where they can find (laughs) you. As honestly, fun, fun, I thought we've gotten into this before hour three of the fucking podcast. To be honest.
3: <laughs> I feel so lost on fucking Twitter because here's the thing, and like this is long. Again, we're trying to wrap this up, and I'm about to go into another fucking story. I have <laughs> a billion Twitter accounts, and none of them really feel like what I want to be. So I just I get a fan base, like I get a fan base. That's not, no, that's not what it I get, I get people who I get people who follow me and then I realize the people that are following me don't really want to listen to what I want to say. And I had this epiphany over quarantine that I wanted to create a Twitter account that was specific to what I believe in but also like I don't want people to follow me that don't want to listen to what I like, what I have to say. Right. Like I create a new account because I'm like, I don't want you to be baited into me talking about the Pistons for 18 tweets in one night, if you're not into the fucking Pistons. So I don't even want to shout out my Twitter because I don't even know who I am on Twitter right now. Like I, I'm still trying to find my identity to be honest with you. So, I mean, you can, the one I've been interacting with you guys on interbrews is the one I'm using these days. I don't even know the handle. I can look it up. Um, but that, <laughs> that is the one I'm trying. I'm trying to solidify as like, this is me. I'm being semi-professional, but also like speaking my mind. Um, I still have probably a billion Twitter accounts on my, uh, that you could probably find <laughs> me at, but I I'm still trying to find my identity on Twitter, but my I'm at Brecht. Nathan, Brecht Nathan B R E C H T Nathan, still trying to find my identity. I feel like I have a lot to say. I always have had a lot to say in my life. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. But yeah, hey. my here's my Twitter thing is a fucking shit show, dude.
1: Well, but here's here's the thing. Um, I'm actually as as you're saying this, I'm quote tweeting you right now. Uh, you had a great tweet from November twentieth. I still do not understand Mason Plumley. And, yeah, as a Duke fan, I still don't understand Mason Plumlee. So, agree. And the Pistons are trying to
3: fucking rebuild and sign him to a fucking three-year $25 million deal (laughs) like we're fucking trying to win it all. What the fuck is that, dude? Like, I am all in for getting quality players. But a 30-year-old who doesn't have a very high ceiling for $7 million a year, get the fuck out of here, dude. I'm like, what is Mason Plumlee to the Pistons? Welcome to Detroit. I'll welcome you with open arms. But I have no... I have no understanding of what the fuck you're doing. I don't understand.
1: That is the take that's going to take us away. That is a take that needs to go down in the history books. Nathan Brecht, tonight's guest. Thank you so much, sir. You are a gentleman and a scholar. I feel lucky to call you a friend of mine. I know you and Hunter are closer, uh, both in proximity and, uh, and, and in work stature than, than us two. Um, but I can't thank you enough for coming on and regaling us with, with some fantastic stories. Uh, you heard the man. If you want some Twitter or some Pistons Twitter at Breck Nathan, uh, I follow him and I get a kick out of seeing all the angry takes. So if you like angry Twitter takes, go ahead and hit that I follow. Gotta I got to diversify for passion.
3: Out it's it. passion. I mean, Pistons is hot right now. I got to diversify myself a bit. Like, <laughs> I jumped into the scene on the new Twitter account, so heavy Pistons. I got to fucking. I gotta reel it in a little bit and start talking about some more broad scope things. Just
0: just wait till just wait till baseball season and you
3: can you can sprinkle in some tigers there and I enjoy it. But I wanted to say both of you guys, man, I was really looking forward to being on tonight. Um whether it's on the podcast or not, if you guys are ever looking for a fucking drink in a FaceTime, I'm I'm here, I'm chilling. Um it's been a ton of fun. It doesn't even have to be on the fucking, it doesn't even have to be on the podcast, but I just enjoy hanging out with both you two dudes. So just hanging out with you guys is awesome. So anytime you want to grab a beer over fucking virtual since we're 20 hours away from each other, cheers to you brothers.
0: Nathan, absolute pleasure, my man. Uh, Good to, good to catch up with you. I'm glad we got to share some, some stories. That was a lot of fun. I know Austin and I were both really looking forward to this one. Uh, for everyone that's tuned in, this this whole way, this this one is uh, a long one, but I hope that you had as much fun as we did because um, ultimately that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to have fun. So um, eventually, once the world does not, uh, uh, once the world calms down, we'll we'll all somehow get we get back together. Maybe we'll take Austin to Coco's or something.
3: Hey, I'll the Cocos. Maybe I'll come down south and have some fun, or maybe you guys bear it in the fucking cold, and we can do a Tigers, fucking Pistons, Red Wings, some bullshit up here, man. Come on up. I live. I live literally uh, 400 feet from Comerica Park right now. So if you guys are ever in town, you can fucking crash at my place, and we can get wasted in the game. Let's go yeah, around the fucking corner. So if that happens next year, man, you guys are more than welcome. Expect a, li- expect a Zoom invite in the next three weeks just to do this exact same thing. Whether or not you want to record it, you don't guys, <laughs> but... <Yeah. laughs> Maybe we'll use it as a bonus yeah. episode or Yeah, but <laughs> just expect a fucking Zoom invite just to do this yeah. shit with you too, because you guys are cool as fuck, man. Oh,
1: I fucking love it, man. Austin, take us away, brother. Hey, uh, it's another day in the pandemic. Just keep breathing, stay with us, and remember, Keep your glasses up, your hats backwards, and love yourself as much as we love you. Take us out.